0: Hey guys, this is Joe, and with me today, as always, is Eric and Doug, and we are about to deep dive into another cinematic classic. This time, it's going to be the best Tim Burton movie ever made.
1: Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes. Nope. Ah, uh, damn! I thought I had. Say
0: it, it
2: again, Eric, and then one more time, and we'll be good to go. No.
1: <laughs> Come on, uh, keep, keep guessing. Ah, uh, uh, best Tim Burton movie. Man, I don't know. Nightmare Before Christmas. Nope.
0: Oh Jesus. Uh Batman. Ooh, Batman. Nope. Okay. Although Jack Nicholson is in this movie also.
2: Oh no. It's true. Oh no. And Michael Keaton was almost in it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh, you're not talking about what I think you're talking about.
0: Do you know what I'm talking about? We're doing <laughs> Mars Mars Attack. Mars Attack. Yes, we're doing <laughs> Mars Attack.
1: Oh, Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the hits just we're not, keep on coming. At least we're not in big trouble anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: we might actually be in big trouble.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: This movie is goddamn bananas, sir. It is. I. Now. I'll preface this by saying, I saw this movie once when it came out. I think I was 10 or 11 years old. Um, so I do have fuzzy memories of it. Or I did have fuzzy memories of it. And uh, yeah, this was, this was quite an experience, man. I, 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 I don't even know. Ugh. I don't know where to begin.
0: <laughs> uh, well, why don't we begin with what's going on in your life currently? That's, that should be a nice softball.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Thanksgiving happened, so I'm sure I tried and failed to get one of those like deep-fried uh, fast-food turkeys that everyone's talking about.
0: Did you catch something on fire? Yeah, I was going to
2: say, hopefully you didn't burn anything down.
1: It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible.
0: Yep. Today's Black Friday, so maybe we uh, have a bunch of people break into stores and knock the doors down, even though there's coronavirus?
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's, yeah. Or on Wait, the is
0: coronavirus over now that the election's over? That's true. Or is the election over? Well, it's, no. Uh,
2: we still don't know who the president is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope Nevada? <laughs>
0: Wait, this movie takes place in Nevada partially, right?
2: That's true. It does. Oh,
1: my God. This movie.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's wow. why they can't get the votes because there's fucking aliens burning everybody down. <laughs>
1: uh, well, you that, that's about that's about it for me. What, what's new with you, Joe?
0: Well, let me see here. I uh, ate a bunch of food for Thanksgiving, I'm assuming, and it was good. There were some turkeys involved and some stuffing. Turkeys more
1: t- than one turkey.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You got to have like both the smoked turkey, the fried turkey, the roasted turkey. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. What am I a peasant?
1: I can't. Re- I can't relate to that, man. And I yeah. gotta
0: have stuffing. Stuffing's like probably the best side there is.
2: Oh, absolutely. 100% do you agree do
1: the sandwich the next day with the white bread?
0: Next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean like three hours after I just got done engorging myself right. for <laughs> serving? Yeah. Uh, I will say though, I'm ready for pumpkin to be over. I hate pumpkin flavored everything.
1: Yeah, I am not at all a fan. Well, because it, it doesn't taste like pumpkin. It just tastes like cinnamon and uh, nutmeg yeah. and shit. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> with and, you.
0: And everybody knows that pumpkins are mostly seen in the spring anyways.
1: That's true. That's true. I mean,
0: I learned that from Halloween.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Deep cuts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't.
2: Yes. You'll learn a lot about the availability of pumpkins in the spring.
0: Yep. And if you want to skip Big Trouble, I won't blame you, but you're missing an awesome movie.
2: <laughs> watch the movie. Don't listen to the episode. Wait, what mean the...
0: Read the
1: book. Don't watch the
2: movie. <laughs> exactly. If yeah, you listen gonna... to
0: the episode, you're going to get the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I literally could have just played the entire movie on here. It would have <laughs> been exactly the same. Probably better. It would have been over faster. <laughs> 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 that's true.
1: Uh... All right, Doug, so take us on this journey through uh, the mouth of madness here.
2: Yeah, yeah, so so Mars Attacks, directed by Tim Burton. Um, I think this partially happened because Burton was definitely in his heyday um, when he made this, so he had a lot of gravitas and clout in Hollywood. Um, So he was able to get the gigantic cast... Uh, so this is 1996 we're talking about. So, I mean, he already had Beetlejuice. He had Batman, you know, Batman returns, even Ed Wood, you know, all done, um, before, um, Mars attacks. Um, In he nightmare got the before idea Christmas. from what's that
0: nightmare before Christmas also.
2: Yes. Okay. So he got the idea from a series of tops trading cards called Mars attacks. Um, And it turns out, actually, he 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 apparently didn't realize that was the story was on the back of the card, so he wrote his own story, (laughs) but used the artwork and and the theme from the cards themselves. Um, So yeah, so you know it's a Tim Burton flick. You definitely see his influence in this very heavily. Um, You know the 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 cameos and you know people that he uses in other movies, things like that. So um, you know, cool thing it opens up uh, with the Warner Brothers logo. And uh, in this particular version of it, you know, a flying saucer pops out from behind uh, the clouds and sort of buzzes around the logo and then disappears in the clouds again. That was cool and, as well. I like Yeah, I like, I like when they do stuff like that, you know. Now, um, I
1: had these cards when I was a kid. Did you so was, really? Yeah. Sandwiched between my Garbage Pail Kids cards and my <laughs> uh, Wacky Packages cards, I had these old Mars Attacks cards. So I was super pumped for this movie because the, right. the art is great. It's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yep.
0: Now, yep. what's funny is um, this almost was Dinosaurs Attack because that was the other card series he had that they were trying to decide between if they wanted to do uh, Mars or the Dinosaurs Attack.
2: Right. Right. I think they went the right direction. You know, as you know, people may still may have problems with Mars Attacks. I think they went in the right direction. I don't know. Yeah. The, the only would have that... worked
0: that kind of sucks for them is simultaneously and unbeknownst to them independence day was being made <laughs> right <laughs> and would drop six months before Mars attacks yeah oh, yeah
2: no. yeah uh yeah the box office for this movie was not very strong I mean it was a 70 million dollar budget and <laughs> oh, no. yeah and that's in 1996 dollars 70 million no no, no, no domestically no. At, least, at least 50
0: it, of that went to the cast
2: no that's true and domestically it grossed about 40. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, you had and to pay I, Jack Nicholson twice, apparently. Yeah, and
0: yep. um, he he also wanted to make this in, in stop motion originally, but he couldn't because it was going to be like another thirty million to do that, right? Right. So he had to go Ooh. to CGI, and honestly, the CGI is pretty good. It really yeah, is. I mean, especially it's industrial, for industrial light magic. So
2: yeah, you know. So um, I had no problems with CGI in this movie at all. Um, the reason cool. um, they yeah.
0: they ended up going with Mars Attacks instead of Dinosaurs is because he didn't want it to be too similar to Jurassic Park, which came out the year before.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That does make sense.
0: Although he didn't realize that Independence Day was coming out this year.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, think about the movie before we really dive in. It, it is a little schizophrenic in its, in its pinning down of the time period it takes place. I mean, yeah. it definitely takes place in the 90s, but there are a lot, and this is purposeful, there's a lot of throwbacks to the 50s. Yeah. Because that's, you know, he, he's a huge fan of those old, you know, corny, silly sci-fi movies uh so, so even this the, the if saucers we were
0: to call this a genre would it be like yeah. a sci-fi 50s b-side 90s movie
2: no exactly that <laughs> yep. sums it up i mean you know the military uniforms were, were throwbacks to the were, you know a throwback to the 50s uh the saucers themselves were uh sort of like an homage to earth versus the flying saucers um you know right down to the uh to the little dishes that fired the weapons out of the bottom of the ships. So, yeah. you know, he, he he definitely did a lot of callback and a lot of homage stuff in this movie, which, you know, I don't mind, you know, because, you know, the 50s is before my time, but I kind of remember it. <laughs> it's, it's got a charm
1: to
0: it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly so.
1: Doug was talking um, about the 1850s, by the way. Oh, yes, the
2: 18, 18- oh, exactly, baby. You yeah. know, pre-Civil War. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, like,
2: you know, I'm willing to share, but not in this show. We'll do another. We'll do another cast about that.
0: So, all right,
2: all right. So we get through the opening. You know, Warner Brothers uh, shot with with the flying saucer, and you know, we we have what we call the prelude. You know, a, a quick scene. It takes place before the opening credits. Um, uh, so you know, it starts off four miles outside Lockjaw, Kentucky. I love that name.
0: Yeah. we get Lock some all racism.
2: Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Um, yeah, so, you you know, see this this farmer tooling down a road on his tractor, and he stops to talk to Mr. Lee, <laughs> and, you know, automatically assumes he's Filipino, even though he's Chinese, but, you know, because, whatever, we'll, we won't go into it, but, you know, that's normal. Uh, you know, so he asked him, what is this, you know, Filipino New Year? <laughs> and guys, Mr. Lee looks at him like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you asking yeah. me that question, you know? Yeah, because I, I can smell you cooking from the interstate. <laughs> what is it, Beef? And then uh, Mr. Lee notices the same smell, but he's, no, it's not coming from me. And you see this glow, you know, over the road, over a hill at the end of the road, this red glow that gets brighter and brighter. And um, Mr. Lee's family comes running out of the house because they notice the smell. They notice this weird sound. So they're, they're a little frightened. They come out. And there is a herd of what we guess is some kind of animal on fire <laughs> running down the road towards them. And yeah exactly well yeah as they get closer we see they oh. are cattle and uh, you know they run right by the group and they're all looking in shock and horror at these you know this group of cattle that's on fire and moving down the road um as soon as that that the passes they hear a whirring noise from behind the house and they look up to see a flying a good old-fashioned 50s sci-fi flying saucer take off behind the house and shoot up into the sky. Um, that
0: That is how I like my steak cooked, by the way.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's good.
0: Rare yeah. on the inside with a little bit of a singe on the outside.
2: <laughs> well, yep. That, and there's a reference to, to that late, a little bit later in the movie as to, <clears throat> as to uh, a good name for those cattle anyway. Uh, so we see the saucer leave the atmosphere, you know, it, it, Flies past the moon, and it heads towards, you know, an unusually large Mars. <laughs> Looks a little bit bigger and closer, but that's fine. Um, heads towards Mars. And then the view changes um, from that saucer to the surface of Mars, where we see um, hundreds of these same saucers rising up from the surface, and they're heading towards Earth. Um, the credits start at this time, and that cool 50s sci-fi... Uh, movie music starts playing and uh, Danny Elfman. Yep, Danny Elfman, Oingo Go Boingo. So I mean he he works almost regularly or worked at least almost regularly with uh, with Mr. Burton. So they teamed up again for this movie. Um,
0: he he almost didn't though because he had creative differences during Nightmare before Christmas. Yes. And he exactly. skipped Ed Wood because of that.
2: Yeah. Really? Yep.
0: Now what I like is the song that plays, it's very reminiscent of um a song called from the the suite called The Planets, the Mars song, which is in five force at den, yes. den, 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 yep. den 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 Den. But um this has a very similar type feel to this to this intro song, but it's more of you know, like you said with the fifties sci fi thrown in as well. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's got that Synthy, you know, that thing going on, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the,
1: uh,
0: which, uh, enough, you think they wouldn't yeah. want to play that song on Mars like that. What? That's a little bit of a spoiler towards the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, true. That high pitch. You woo! woo right. You don't think they'd want to play that near that planet.
2: Very true. <laughs> so, you know, the credits roll. We get through the credits um, and things kick off. We get our first view of Jack. He needs no second name, but it is Nicholson. Uh, we love that dude and anything that he does. Well, and speak he does for this yourself. Thing. All right. All right. Well, again, stories for another day. Uh, but yes,
0: well, it's Jack... good that he doesn't need a name, though, because I don't think he has a name in the movie. I think he's just the president.
2: Yeah, I know his name is James Dale, but nobody ever oh, is refers it? to him. Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know
0: he actually had a name. I was like, yes. Mr. President.
2: Yeah, he's not referred to by either of those. <laughs> it is Mr. President, but yes, it's uh, President James Dale. Uh, he is looking over some grainy photos of what are definitely flying saucers, and obviously, as the president, he's concerned. I do find it funny that he references these pictures come from the Hubble, and I know there were some problems with the Hubble, but they certainly wouldn't be that grainy (laughs) even before they fixed it. But anyway, we can tell that they're flying saucers. Uh, So, you know, he's in the Oval Office looking at this, and they've got the whole crew there. They've got his press secretary, Jerry Ross, and, uh, you know, Professor Donald Kessler, who is the intellectual, you know, subject matter expert. Um, they've got a couple of army generals uh, with very contrasting styles of how they like to uh, to, to uh, you know do their jobs. Uh, General Decker played by Rod Steiger. He's one of my favorite actors, character actors ever, and um, I think he does a fantastic job in this. Oh yeah, yeah. And then General Casey, uh, which is Paul Winfield, um, another cool actor. Uh, definitely varied roles he's done in he did in his career. Um, I was
0: listening to a interview with Pierce Brosnan and he says, my first day on set, I'm sitting in a room with Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, yeah, um, Natalie Portman, Martin Short, Rob yep. Steigler. And he's like, he's like, this is like a who's who he's like, I felt like the least like qualified person in the room.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. It's a And, and then, I mean, that's what this movie is about. It is definitely cast focused. I mean, yeah, there, there are, you know, it's a cavalcade of uh superstars, you know, and then and the list goes on and on. And we meet them as the movie, you know, as the movie rolls. So, you know, they're doing what you would expect to be done in the Oval Office. They're debating on how to handle this situation. Do they tell the public? Don't they? Do we attack? I mean, you know, uh General Decker is like, he just wants to knock him out of the sky from the get-go. And, you know... I might use this word a little too much, but he gets neutered at every turn. He gets just cut off at every turn. Um, You know, so it's very frustrating for him. Uh, So they seem to take the tack that they are going to, you know, embrace this. Um, Kessler, Dr. Kessler convinces the president that uh, we could learn from these people and, you know, from, from these beings, because, you know, in order to travel the way they do, they, they must be super intelligent. Um, so Jack requests a speech from his uh press secretary, who's played by Martin Short, <laughs> he just sums it up, he goes, Write me a speech. Abraham Lincoln meets Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> you know the drill. <laughs> so, you know, he he's got he's got his uh his modus operandi down. He knows how he needs to lay it out to the American people, you know, because this is timeless when it comes to politics in the end it's all about getting reelected. So um the decisions that are made are not made for the good of the people a lot of times they're made just to get reelected. so obviously in 96 that weren't any different than today
0: um i don't know they're not promising shit today they're like stuck in their their viewpoints yeah that's today. true
2: yeah we're we're in a time warp but that's that's yeah anyway so yeah uh but we
0: don't even know yet what the results are so right and it's been a month <laughs>
2: exactly So we cut to a quick scene of the First Lady, uh, played by Glenn Close. Her name is Marsha Dale. Uh, She's a piece of work. (laughs) It's Glenn Close (laughs) at her best. I love it. Uh, Because you don't see her in in comedic roles too often, but she nailed it. She really did a good job with this role. Um, She's reviewing fabric choices for the Roosevelt uh, Room, uh, looking at uh, fabric for the curtains. And her daughter, Taffy, great name, is uh, sitting on the couch, you know, largely being ignored and ignoring at the same time what a teenager does. Um, And her mom is basically covering her with the fabric swatches. She looks at one, doesn't like it. She tosses it and they're landing on top of Taffy. Um, Maybe we should leave it how the
0: Roosevelt's designed it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: right. Yes, exactly. That's Taffy's quip. And see,
0: um, Natalie Portman was kind of my Brooke Shields to you also.
2: Oh, I get it. I
0: get it. Yeah. We're about the same age, so that worked out.
2: Yep. Actually, she grew up in, in, in a town that I lived in for a little while on Long Island. Yeah. So she was a local, a local superstar in, in the you know, film and, and theater industry uh, before she hit it big internationally. But yeah, so she, she makes the reference, why don't we leave it the way that Roosevelt's wanted it? And Marsha's comment was because Eleanor Roosevelt was too fond of chintz. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because I, I for a long time I worked in the garment district in Manhattan, so I know what chintz is. It's just a cheap, you know, very multicolored fabric that's used for mostly curtains and you know, I, I, I get it from that snobby perspective that Marsha yeah. is applying that, you know, she wants to change things up. But again, mm-hmm. it goes down to the fact that it's all about her. Yeah, and the butler's the,
0: talking about the cost
2: right the cost and she doesn't care and then the photographer moves in and you know the focus is right back on the first lady she pushes she yeah. pushes the fabric sample guy out of the way just to get the pictures because you know she's the first lady so she should be entitled to this
0: and um, she's complaining about the chandelier too for some reason
2: yeah yeah that comes up later in a bigger way and i still haven't been able to determine what she called that chandelier obviously is a reference to a previous president but i couldn't find it uh, was it Monroe? No, um, it, nah, it might have been. I mean, there was the Van Buren China, which we'll talk about. It could have been the Monroe Chandelier. I don't know, yeah. but we'll, you know, we'll get to it. So our next scene, we move to Las Vegas, Nevada. One of my favorite cities on earth, as a lot of you may know. <laughs> um, and an exterior shot of the Luxor, Luxor, which is actually one of my favorite hotels in Las Vegas. Maybe not to stay at, but definitely to hang out in just because the atmosphere inside is so cool. Um, so we see the Luxor and we get our first look at Byron Williams. He's a championship boxer. He's sort of past his prime. So he's doing anything he can to make a buck. Um, he's dressed as a Pharaoh, King Tut, wherever you want to call him. Take just to do with nuns. Yeah. Right. Just to do photo ops. So yeah, he's got three, you know, he's got three nuns. He's taken pictures of and, they're just fawning over him because they're big fans of his career. They watched him fight Sonny Liston in '69, and you know and they're just happy to be there. We yeah, gotta
0: he, mention he's played by the legendary Jim Brown.
2: That's true. I should. You're right. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's Jim Brown, and yes, he is an absolute legend on and off the field. So it's it's uh, it's cool to see him. And you know he's he he digs what he's doing in the sense that he's a he's a nice guy. So yeah, he'll take pictures with the nuns. He's getting paid to do it. You know. Yeah. Um, it's funny he gets a he gets a call from his from his ex wife Louise, who's in D.C. with the, with the boys, and um you know they just page him on the casino floor and he picks up the phone and talks <laughs> to his wife. I doubt it works like that in real life, but that's fine. Well, this was
0: back in the '90s too.
2: Yeah, it's true. You know, so he's getting side eyed from the pit boss because he's supposed to be out on the floor working, but you know it's his wife, so he he, he they're divorced, but he still loves her, so he wants to talk to her. Um, this is funny because, you know, she's worried because the boys, which is pretty much what they're called the whole movie. They they have names, but they, they don't really use them that much. The boys haven't been home in two days. And, you know, <laughs> Byron says they're at that age. And I'm laughing at this because, you know, the first time you see you don't know, you know, the boys age. But having seen it, I know the boy's aged at like 13 and 10. Yeah. And they're not home for two days. So, you know, that's a little messed up. <laughs> right?
0: This is the inner city.
2: No, I know. But, you know, yeah, I guess I'm a sheltered suburban boy. So what do I know? See,
0: I, I kind of grew up <laughs> in the hood. I got a whole different feeling for this.
2: Yeah, you grew up in the hood. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll leave you with that memory, Joe. <laughs> Let you wrap, it, wrap yourself in it. Um, and <laughs> so the older boy, um, that's actually Ray J., Who uh, I guess there's two things I know him from: Moesha and the Kim Kardashian sex tape. (laughs) You know, so he he grows up to have a little bit of fun in his life, I guess. Um, So yeah, so they are uh, you know they are concerned. The boys are out, but they'll turn up. We we don't worry about that. Um, We we jump back to uh, to Vegas, or no, we're still in Vegas, but the phone call was between DC and Vegas, so we're in Vegas now. Still in the casino. And we meet Barbara and Art Land. Ugh. So that's Annette Benning and Jack Nicholson again.
1: Um Doug, do you understand how confused I was at this <laughs> Oh point I get now? it.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, originally when this movie was pitched to Nicholson, um, Tim Burton asked him like who he'd want to play and he said, Let me just play everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to do like a whole Peter yeah. Sellers thing. Oh
2: yep. my god. And Burton did want Michael Keaton for this. He wanted to reunite Keaton, and, and even though they reunite them, their characters don't meet in the movie, but he wanted to have them on set together. Uh, so Keaton being Artland, and uh, Nicholson being the president. Um, it might have worked. I mean, I think, you know, the whole dynamic of that Artland character works because of Nicholson's age. Like, Michael Keaton, I think, would have been too young in 96 to play. He could have, in a normal situation, played Annette Benning's husband, because they're actually close in age yeah but it the, the smarmy you know casino owner you know sort of sort of like kind of on the outside mob guy i just think N- nicholson did it well you know
0: yeah he had to be douchey and nicholson played the douche perfectly. right it, yes and he had he i had, think um randy yeah. quaid could have played a great role in that too oh, yes he would. i, he would have I agree i oh, agree man.
2: with that exactly i think he could have pulled that off uh, but yeah, he had to be douchey. He had to you know, he just Kinda he grown. had to have some season. He had to be See, seasoned.
1: My you pick know? would have been anyone other than Jack Nicholson because he's already <laughs> in the fucking movie. No, no, I get it. It is confusing as hell. Um,
2: his so Jack's accent is really bad. Oh. Yeah. He sound he sounds like he sounds like he he's got. He sounds p- like me doing New York guy. Well, yes, <laughs> and he, he's got a sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> his nose is and I, I, I don't know if that was on purpose or what but he talked like his nose like he had a deviated septum with a texas accent. like I and I, oh. t- I don't want to offend people from texas it's supposed to be I a do. texas accent okay, but it's not, not <laughs> you know uh but yeah his nose is stuffed the whole time you know it's it's kind of weird
1: I have a note um, here that says Nicholson doing a texas accent is torture yeah yeah I have You're
2: jack's torture. accent yep I had I have Jack's accent is a stuffy-nosed Texan.
0: <laughs> you know, and... yeah, like, You gotta think of that time period, though, because this is mid-'90s, so who in the mid-'90s would have played that character well? Honestly, Danny DeVito could have been that character.
2: Yeah. He could, yes, he could have he done that,
0: absolutely, because he can do that. There's no question, but... And, like, what's more funny than a short fucking, like, overcompensating guy that's trying yes. to build this giant tower and he's a little, tiny, short guy?
2: Exactly. But, you know, we got Jack. We're stuck with Jack. Um, you know, we got to roll with it. So, I mean, there's a, there's an interesting conversation between, you know, the husband and the wife just to establish their personalities. Uh, Barbara is definitely a, you know, crunchy granola or at least she's, she's masquerading as a crunchy granola hippy-dippy girl. Um, you know, worried about the earth, worried about, you know, just things like that. Uh, she complains about him drinking in front of her. And his line is great. And again, I think it's great because I dig Jack so much and he says it just like Jack. He's like, you're an adult. Just cope. Yeah. <laughs> he takes a drink.
0: Now, that was originally going to be Susan Sarandon playing that character.
2: Really? Okay. All right. I, I like it. I think Annette Bening did a good job with that. Susan Sarandon would have done a great job with that as well. Yeah. She could have pulled I think that there's
0: off. There no loss in the in the yeah yeah exactly exchange.
2: yeah. And that Benning, I think, did a, a really nice job with the roles. So, so I was cool with that. But yeah, Art, Art's in the casino to scope things out because he's building his own Galaxy Hotel, you know, on the Strip. So he's scoping out the place to see how things are done. Um, you know, it's a little weird if you're gonna build your own casino, you should already kind of know that stuff. But you know, whatever. He's just hanging out. He's being he's being and, the last. and also
0: not already have the building built up.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's just being the last that he is. Um, it's funny because Barbara, you know, talks about greed killing the planet and stuff. But when, when Art tells her to go play roulette, she takes those chips like a happy kid at Christmas yep. <laughs> and runs off to do her, her, uh, her roulette stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. But, you know, I guess that was meant to be that way anyway. Um, we then transition to New York City Wednesday, May 10th at 526 p.m. Um, love every the opening. What's every that? Every
0: time I see this though, and, and this in any movie pre 9-11 and I see New York City with the Twin Towers, it's like a shock.
2: Well, I, was, that's, I, was, I have the note here. I mean, for me, it's a great shot of the skyline. It helps me, not that I'll ever forget, but it helps me remember the way yeah. it was. You know, um, yeah. So I, I really, I appreciate that. And even knowing that obviously in 96, that wasn't even a thought in anybody's head. But I love that skyline shot because that is my favorite part of Manhattan, even today after. Uh, so yeah, I really dug that. I have that actually in bold on my on my uh, on my notes, just to mention that shot. Um, so we go to a TV studio where Natalie Lake and Jason Stone work. So that's uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and um, Michael J. Fox, and this is younger, better-looking Sarah J. Uh, Parker. <laughs> I guess I'm being bad, but you know, um,
0: no, yeah, no. it's pretty
2: accurate. She looked, she looked good back in the day anyway. Mm. All right. Did I say <laughs> she's no Brooke Shields. We'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> or Natalie Portman or Natalie Portman. Exactly. All right. Um, so yeah, so they work in this, in this studio. Um, uh, they're hanging out, waiting for a show to start. It's her, uh, today in fashion show. She's, she's the hot ticket in fashion is natalie so they're waiting for that to start and uh they get a call that says the president is going to interrupt the programming to uh you know review some things with the with the the country um (laughs) the producer's like what the real president (laughs) what you know what the actual president yes the actual president he's going to do that um you can immediately tell that, that Jason Stone, Michael J. Fox, is very self-absorbed. He's yeah. looking at the monitor of an earlier, you know, uh, portion of the news day that, that he was on and talking about how good his hair looks, you know. So he's he's definitely in. And, he, you know, he is wondering why the president wants to interrupt the show. Uh, so then, you know, we cut to to Jack as, as President Dale. Uh, he's doing a fireside chat, which I thought was, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, he's definitely throwing back to Roosevelt's fireside chats to calm the people of America Uh, so I guess that was the point Um, everybody on the executive team is behind the camera watching him do this and you know he talks about extraordinary events in his life and how this is up there or beats all of them uh, and reveals the existence of extraterrestrial life Um, so you know, you don't get too many. You don't get any reaction shots to that, but you assume the American people are losing their minds a little bit because I'm sure that would happen today or any at any point in time if that was revealed. I don't know. Today
0: um, we're pretty well broken in with ancient aliens. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they've kind of set us up for us. Yeah. Like we you just, know, we know <laughs> this is kind of what's happening.
2: It's just going to roll off. Yeah, they're already among us, so it's okay.
0: Yeah, George um, Sukalos kind of took the heat off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Uh, so we are now in Perkinsville, Kansas, May 10th, 4.28 p.m. So they're actually keeping a pretty cool time frame accurately because it is, well, I don't know. Is Kansas an hour or two hours behind us? So it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, so it's 4.28 p.m. in Perkinsville, Kansas. Uh, we meet our uh, our protagonist or one of our protagonists in this large cast. It's a kid named Richie Norris, and he is watching the president from his work. Uh, you know place of work which is Bob's Donut World <laughs> um it, it seems like the town of Perkinsville has some trailers and a large field where the bus picks you up and they bury you and then there's the Donut World <laughs> yeah. and then they're all right next to each other so you know he's which, just
0: I was, was so envious of him like when he's just laying on the counter at work, I'm like, oh, that looks yeah, so right? much fun. Yeah, right? Exactly. And, you know, he doesn't have a care in
2: the world. You can see these. He's got zero motivation to do anything else in his life. I mean, he's a teenager. So yeah. he's just, you know, he's just, yeah, the president's talking about extraterrestrials. It doesn't matter if he was talking about that or he was talking about people from under the sea, you know? Richie's just watching the TV. He thinks it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. That's because so it's
0: 428. You know he did at 4:20. <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> very true. Good point. Good point. Uh, so we are now back in uh, Vegas, and everybody in the casino, with the exception of one person, <laughs> he is watching the TV, listening to the president. Um, that one person is Danny DeVito at his awful best, aka um, Rude Gambler. Rude Gambler—that's his name in the credits. He gets—he doesn't even get a real name. Rude Gambler. Um, he is hell bent on rolling those dice. So. <laughs> You know, he's he's, he's swinging that arm back, he's rolling those dice, he's yelling. And when, you know, he he rolls out the dice and he finally realizes no one's paying attention. And it doesn't matter to him what they're looking at, it just matters to him they're not looking at him. So he's like, you know, hey, am I the only one shooting dice here? Hey! And no one's listening to him, you know. Um, They, you know, they're all looking at what the president's saying. We're talking about, you know, aliens coming to Earth. Um, so we stay in Vegas and we move to, uh, the land mansion. (laughs) Barbara's sitting cross legged on on a float in the indoor pool, uh, in a meditative position. And she is super excited about these aliens coming. She, she thinks it's the best thing ever. They must be coming to save us from ourselves. They're going to teach us so many cool things. So she is extremely excited about this. Um, We then get our first exterior shot of Art's Galaxy Hotel. It's out of this world. So that's a real creative slogan. Um, That was actually the uh, the old Landmark Hotel, uh, which was demolished at the time the movie was being shot. Or actually, I think it happened before, but Burton used a lot of the actual footage of of, uh, that hotel being demolished later in the film. uh, So it was
0: called Landmark?
2: The Landmark Hotel. For
0: some reason, I was thinking it was Stardust, but I guess that's a different one.
2: No, there, yeah, the Stardust was bigger than that. Okay. Um, it, it's close by because you can actually see the Stardust signs in a couple of the shots. Um, yeah, that's so, why I was
0: thinking it was the Stardust. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it's actually right now, it's not, it's not even that they build another casino. It is part of the Las Vegas Convention Center parking lot. Um, <laughs> oh, so wonderful. it didn't even become another casino. Um, past that, I don't know much more about it. That was way before my Vegas time. But, you know, I've done a little history brush up on that. Um, so, you know, we see, uh, art is, you know, he's in the hotel cause it's, it's not open yet, but they're able to inhabit it. So he's up in his office and he's watching a president as well. He's yelling on the phone about something or other. Cause that's what he does. You know, he's just a yelly guy. Um, and <laughs> we cut, we cut back to Taffy, the first daughter. Uh, she's, she's munching down on some pizza Watching her dad on the television, <laughs> she has the best little quips, the best little like throwaway lines in the movie. Um, she just, you know, her dad references intelligent life, and she's like, "Yeah, well, at least they found it somewhere."
0: <laughs> yeah. You
2: know? So uh, it's pretty cool. And then uh, his speech ends, so uh, we find ourselves back in New York City. Uh, it's the next day, five twenty-six a.m. So it's kind of early. Um, Burton uses a classic shot that you've seen a lot of movies you know up till his day but especially back in the day is the bundles of newspaper being thrown from the back of the truck i mean that did you know in in the days of newspapers i mean they're still kind of around but you know that that was still a thing in in real life manhattan that early in the morning did you get the joke there what's that
0: that the New York Times had this thing like, aliens are coming here. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. No, and then the New York it. Post just said Martians. Martians. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's in my, that's, that's in my notes. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I
2: got it. It's a nice juxtaposition of styles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, you
0: caught that as a New Yorker.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, so that was, and I don't know, I couldn't find out why. So it was the New York Tribune, which actually stopped publishing in 1966, um, but it was... Almost the paper of record for New York City at the time. It was, it, it was on par with the Times as far as that you know, almost elitist way of reporting. Yeah. That very dry you know way of reporting. Um, I don't know if they did that because they couldn't get the Times to agree, or he just maybe. wanted to, maybe just do a throwback because we're obviously referencing the fifties in a lot of ways in this movie. Um, so and in, in in the closing credits, there is actually you know a thank you. For being able to use the New York Tribune logo and, and such, um, but the Post was the
0: Post, right? Oh
2: yeah, the Post is a Post. It's always been the Post, and yeah, Martians. That's the, and in fact, that's tame for the Post. But you know, <laughs> we, we can leave that alone. Um, so we cut to uh, Jason and Natalie's apartment, and we get, we get a second interesting. Um, you know, juxtaposition of s- style, so to speak, in that Jason's reading the Tribune and Natalie's reading the Post. <laughs> and that sort of sums up the, the, their characters as well as to where they are in their lives. Uh, it sort of makes sense that they're doing that. So um, we meet um, Natalie's dog, Poppy, the little yappy chihuahua who clearly doesn't like Jason, has a problem with him, doesn't try to bite him, but constantly yeah. barks at him. Um, she probably, Poppy probably understands how vapid and self-absorbed he is, and she doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, little piece of trivia, that dog was Lisa Marie, who played the female alien later in the movie and was actually engaged to, uh, Tim Burton at the time. So that's her, that was her real life dog. I can't imagine the dog's still alive today.
0: But. I heard she was also Jack Nicholson's girlfriend.
2: Yeah, she, I, I, I think I read that too. Um, she was with Tim Burton, I think from right before this movie until like 2001 and he <laughs> Burton I mean I, I don't know you know how he is as a person but he met uh, on the set of Planet of the Apes he kind of got together with Helena Bonham Carter and dumped Lisa Marie like yeah. very badly <laughs> so you know uh, I, that, I mean that sort of thing goes goes on there in Hollywood um, but uh, yeah so that was Lisa Marie's dog in real life they used her for the movie um, and she plays an inter- integral part uh, later in the flick, so the dog is definitely around. Um, you know, uh, Jason kind of gets pissed off. He finds out that, that Natalie is going to get to interview Dr. Donald Kessler, who's played by Pierce Brosnan, uh, and, and not him. And he, and he can't get his head around it because he's a serious newsman and she's the fashion girl. Um, and just her comment is, well, I can't help it if your people are too slow. And that pisses them off even more, you know, but what are you going to do? We are back in Kansas now uh, where uh, Richie gets home to the trailer. Uh, (laughs) The family is just classic, classic trailer family. Uh, They did a great job of casting that. Tim Burton did a great job of casting that. Um, They're sitting around the table. Uh, Billy Glenn, (laughs) played by Jack Black, pretty much pre-famous Jack Black. Yeah, done I mean, a couple he was, things like you so noticed, small and skinny. Yeah, exactly. So he, he was, you know, he was coming up, but when I saw the movie in 96, it's not like I went, oh, that's Jack Black. I didn't know him from anybody, really. Uh, so, yeah, he is uh, assembling a rifle blindfolded while his dad times him because he's in the Army. Uh, he's just joined the military, and uh, he's just practicing his skills because he's going to be a lean, mean fight machine. Um, Joe Don Baker plays his dad, and... I've always loved him as a character actor too. He yeah. actually played uh, Buford Pusser in the original Walking Tall. So you had that rock version, which was meh. Yeah. Um, I, I like right. the
0: rock version with Johnny Knoxville.
2: Well, Yeah, well, you know, it, had, it certainly had a lot more humor in it and a lot more action. I mean, the original Walking Tall was serious shit because Buford Pusser was a real person. Yeah. He, he lived through what that was. So the first movie was a, a more realistic portrayal of what he went through. Um, but Joe Don Baker did a great job just carrying that big fucking post and beating the shit out of people. Um, so it was cool to see him in there. Um, and then we get to, we, we this is a little throwback to the opening prelude scene before the credits. So mom is reading, uh, the uh, weekly world news and up in the corner is sort of a semi little headline that says Kentucky fried cattle. <laughs> so that's, it makes reference to those burning cows in, in, uh, in lockjaw, Kentucky. <laughs> from a few days before. But it wouldn't really uh, be fried. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, you got to work with what you got, right? <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, so so Billy Glenn, um, you know, he, he lets everybody know that he's volunteered for the Martian Detail. And I made a note here that, that Jack Black's accent is like pure Forrest Gump. <laughs> okay? Oh. He, if you listen back, he sounds like, he's trying to sound like Forrest Gump in this thing because I don't know if he knows what kind of accent he's trying to do because it's obviously not a Kansas accent. Um, but, you know, he works, he works with what he's got. He does a fine job with the few lines he has. Um, we meet Grandma Florence for the first time. Uh, also integral to the movie plot, she is a pisser, to, to use the old school word that we did when we were kids. Yeah. The woman is a friggin' pisser. She's a firecracker. Um, that, uh, the actress is Sylvia Sidney. Uh, She was in Beetlejuice, so she worked with with, uh, Tim Burton previously. And uh, Mars Attacks was her last film. Uh, She passed away not long after. Um, But (laughs) she just asked, and I don't know if you guys... So her her quote in this scene is, have any of you traitors seen my Muffy? But I don't know (laughs) if she says traitors. I I think it makes sense that she does, but it was just hard to hear it. But, you know, so she's already demonstrating that... You know, she is, yeah. as is referenced later in the movie, halfway to outer space already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's got some lucid moments and she's got some out there moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're introduced to grandma and uh, we can already tell that Richie has a very great affinity for his grandma, more so than anybody else in the family. They didn't, they couldn't give a shit about her, but R- it, Richie really loves his grandma. And, and that's, that's uh, demonstrated later in the flick. So, you know, Yep. Um, so with this movie, we're doing a lot of bouncing from scene to scene because with the size of the cast and the, you know, the clout of the stars in the cast, there's a lot going on. And Tim Burton does his best with this.
1: Um, yeah, I was going to say, you got any aliens in your uh, alien movie? Yeah, well, I know.
0: I know. Real, he real does. little quick bit of trivia with the grandma. Yeah. She keeps calling them Thomas. That's Jack Black's real first name.
2: Yes. Yeah, I know. I know she calls everybody Thomas, and then she she asks Shaw. Yeah, I want to see Richie and you know, Richie's sitting next to her. So yeah, yeah, yep, um, yeah. I, I Eric, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> it. It was almost like Halloween with the first murder being you know fifty five minutes into a yeah. an yeah. half long movie. Um, yeah, he, I think he's trying to just try to stretch this thing again. He's he's got a lot of tools to work with, or that he has to work with because he's paying these people good money. So That's I, true. I, and those, I have and a, those
1: CGI aliens got to be expensive, man.
2: Yeah. Well, like. that yeah, yes. But, you know, he's got he's to satisfy a lot of egos in that, in that Hollywood cast. So, you know, he's going to stretch this for as long as he can. But, yeah, we're waiting a while. We are definitely waiting a while to see our alien. Um, so we now move to Washington, D.C., but not the White House or any other government office. We are meeting Louise uh, while she's driving her bus. She's a bus driver. And she's on the route, and she glances out and sees the boys uh, in a video arcade, and they're playing Flesh Eaters. <laughs> I don't think that was a real game. I don't know. Um, the zombies in it sort of, you know, look eerily similar to the aliens, but not quite.
1: Uh, yeah, but- the it, the artwork was, uh, I think, based on the trading cards. Okay. The, yeah, that's how a lot of the art uh, on those on those tops cards look.
2: That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, and they're they obviously very good at this game. Um, they, are, they are killing the flesh eaters left and right. Um, <laughs> mama Louise stops that bus on a dime, and she just apologizes to her, to her passenger saying she needs just a minute. And she gets into the arcade and does her best mama and wrangles those boys up. <laughs> the younger one doesn't want to come near her, and she goes, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. And he falls for it and comes in. <laughs> so she's got them both by the scruff, and she brings him back to the bus, uh, throws him in the back, and the passengers give her a, a big round of applause uh, because she did the right thing, getting her boys back home. Um, so this is where we see uh, Jerry Ross, the uh, PR director, Again, played by Martin Short, uh, he is a sleazebag, bag. This guy, he is yeah. a, a 90, 1996 player at at his worst, not even best. He's just gross. Um, you know, he's tooling around <laughs> his, his government issued limo, just picking up hookers. <laughs> you know, and and his ploy, like you need a ploy with a prostitute. His ploy is to just explain how stressful his job is. You know. <laughs> and they're did written not it
0: up. understand.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, he, he thinks that's that's going to win him over. Um, so luckily, we you know, Burton keeps it light, doesn't go any further with that. You know, we just see him as the smarmy guy that he is. And then, you know, we move on. But he is a sleazebag. Um,
0: did you notice that the hooker was chewing gum?
2: Oh no, I didn't. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Like very blatantly, the one that was in the reflection of the window was chewing gum the whole time.
2: You know what? Now that you say it, yes, because that one you could only see her in the reflection of the window. You didn't see her from the interior shots because she didn't fit in the in the window frame. So that and I can I can visualize that now. So yeah, so you know he he's used to the gum chewing. Uh, yeah. As we're I guess we're setting that up for later.
0: Yeah, I thought um, that was a nice little setup.
2: Yeah. So you know as we you know we. As the movie goes, we are ping ponging, you know, across the country uh, to to all the sites where our our main players live and reside and work. So we're back in Vegas now. Um, Byron's trying to get some more money from the pit boss, but the pit boss is not having it. He just, you know, he <laughs> he says I could get Leon Spinks or Buster Douglas for the same price, maybe even less. <laughs> yeah. So Byr- Byron is shut down, and the reason he's looking for more money is he wants to get home um, again. They're divorced, but he loves his wife, he loves his kids, he knows they need him, and he wants to get home. So he'll do anything he can to do it, and that was the first step, was to ask for, you know, ask for that race. Um, so we are out of Vegas. Now we're looking at saucers, a lot of them. They're surrounding Earth, they're getting ready to do their thing. Um, so, you know, they're looking at the Earth and these hundreds and hundreds of saucers around it. We then move uh, to today in fashion. The uh, today in fashion studio in New York. Um, Natalie is about to interview Dr. Kessler. Um, They're sitting in a couple of very Men in Black style chairs. (laughs) They look extremely uncomfortable. Um, You know, they didn't didn't drag a table across the floor, but uh, they look like they were going
0: to shoot a ska music video.
2: (laughs) 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 There you go. Yeah. So. You know, they're sitting in the chairs and they are flirting with each other like nuts. Uh, There's definitely an instant connection. Um, Jason immediately (laughs) recognizes this. Uh, And, you know, he's now he's watching them intently because he sees something's going on. Um, The president and the first lady are also watching this interview. Uh, They're sitting on the couch eating dinner off TV trays. Uh, So that was kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. And the dog's just sitting there. He's just hanging out. Uh, So they're watching that. And I, I just I can't say enough about Glenn Close. She gets me in every scene, even when she doesn't say anything. It just her facial expressions and her attitude. the that's why she is one of the best actresses to ever walk the earth. She even demonstrates it in a movie like this, where maybe that that skill might not be needed, but she can't help herself because she's just so good at it. Um, so I I really dig her character in this. Um, as they're 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 starting the interview in, you know. Natalie's asking questions. Um, He's talking about because they're so advanced, Kessler's, you know, they're they're so advanced, there's so much we can learn from them. Uh, She's completely enamored with the science guy thing. Uh, He's so smart. So she's really really digging him for that. But as they're doing the interview, uh, we start to, you know, we get in the control booth and we see a lot of interference on the screen, fuzziness, picture goes out. And... Eric, here you go. We finally get our first view of the alien. Yes. Okay. Um, the, one of the one of the head aliens, I think it's the ambassador, I'm not sure. He pops up on the screen, uh, and, you know, I have it in all caps. First look at the Martians, yay.
1: Now, I thought <laughs> this got- was a really clever way to introduce the alien, because, you know, even though the CG was good for the time, it's still a little... You yeah, know, uncanny oh, valley. Oh, it's cartoony. Yeah, So absolutely. to show it like on a fuzzy kind of TV yes. screen at first, sort of, it, it eases you into it.
2: Oh, and it had a very fifties look, a very fifties TV look. Yeah. So you know, it was part of the throwback. But it you're also right.
0: Felt like um, how Star Trek would like meet new aliens a lot of times. Yes. No. They exactly it on the view screen. Yep. yep.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, so we get our first view of the aliens. We hear the famous words. <laughs> ak, ak. Uh, <laughs> spoken, the alien language. Um, I read, yeah, a little bit of trivia on that. They they You know, the writers really obviously had no idea what a Martian would sound like. So they put the words ak for everything, and it stuck. <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually a
0: duck recorded and played backwards.
2: Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Uh, very duck-like is what I put, and that makes total sense. <laughs> You know, Jack in, in Jack Best, again, because I love the guy so much. He's sitting there. He's got like the sandwich or whatever he's eating halfway to his mouth. And, you know, he doesn't he doesn't jump up and he's not shocked. He just goes, yikes. <laughs> 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 when <he> sees, yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's just it's a Jack delivery. So I love it. And, you know, Glenn Close, the first lady, she's like, I'm not having that thing in my house. honey. <laughs> yeah. And the president's like, we may have to. Well, they're not going to use the van in China, <laughs> <laughs> the funniest line. you know, which is perfect for her character. That's the stuck up snobby first lady. Nope. The van in yeah, China. Like that's is what she's off, worried about. Right. That's off the table figuratively and literally. <laughs> they're not getting it. Um, you know, so we, we again cut to Richie who's hanging out in the donut world. He's working. Um, you know, and he's just again, just watching. <laughs> There's no he, there's really nothing going on there you know he's, he is a very stereotypical teenager he's like alright we're just gonna roll with it or as we previously said he could be just stoned off his ass who knows um, you know we go back to Natalie in the studio she's shocked um, and then one of, the, one of the definitely good lines great lines in the movie is, um, you know Richie looks or the alien does you know puts his arm out and does this dot and then a circle in the air and Richie's line is, he made the international sign of the donut.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And he's not wrong. That's what it looked like, you know. Um, we learn later exactly what it is. But, uh, you know, that's what he did. And that was Richie's line. It was definitely one of the good ones. Um, so, we are, again, bouncing around. We're back in the White House. Uh, there's an internal briefing. And all the key players are there. Uh, same group as you know, when we first started and first saw the uh, the photos of the saucers, um, Kessler is talking about Martian anatomy, uh, their carbon-based life, life form, they breathe nitrogen, and they have possible telepathic ability. And correct me, guys, but it never happens. <laughs> I I don't even know why it was brought up, because it really... There's maybe... I do have a note. There's one scene later in the movie where... It may be used, but it's certainly not directly referenced. You know. Well,
0: I like the fact that they know what the inside of the anatomy of the thing looks like, even though they've never seen one. Yeah. Other than in a video.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, he's figured it. Well, he's the you know the most brilliant mind on the planet, so he's figured this all out. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> I made a reference, I think, even in our last episode about the quote translation machine because this is so stupid, but it's so damn funny because it keeps yeah. happening. You got that. Buffoonish scientist who's working the quote translation machine and he's just spinning like tape back and forth. Yeah, pretty much. And it never fucking works right. Um, You know, I actually went as far as to write down what it translated (laughs) from the Martian. And it says, all green of skin, 800 centuries ago, their bodily fluids include the birth of half breeds. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) For the functional truth in self determination of the cosmos. For dark is the sway that mows the harvest, and I, you know, my note is yeah. Translation machine, because <laughs> you have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Well, it works just, later. Oh no, wait, yeah, it kind of does. It does, but it, it's just the fumbling nature of of the scientist, and yeah, yeah. just the, it's a shit show, and it's it's just funny. I guess it's supposed to be a joke, and whether intentionally, unintentionally, it's a, it tickled me. I was laughing every time I saw it. Um, while all this is going on. Burton felt the need to really demonstrate Taffy being that bored, you know, angsty teenager. Because she's just wandering the halls of the White House. You know, she's bored. She's ignored. She's just, "Ah, I'm a teenager. I guess I got to put this 30-second scene in or 10-second scene just to demonstrate how teenager I am. Uh, So, you know, we we see that. Um, So the White House, what's that? Nobody? Uh Uh-oh. Sorry, there's a tour
0: going on in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um
1: i like when so, richie uh, talks to his grandma you know says I, I bet you're psyched about the martians coming uh <laughs> you see a lot of crazy stuff already everyone must have been real scared when they invented the train
2: i know yeah. how <laughs> old gra- do you think i am <laughs> exactly and that's the thing that's that's one of the instances where grandma is she's on point She's 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 among the living because that's What's her. Funny her,
0: is I've asked that Doug that same thing, or he's asked me that same question like fifty times. How old do you think I am?
2: It's very true. It's very true.
0: I'm Richie, and Doug's the grandma. Yeah,
2: exactly. Grandma Florence. That's what you can call me. Um, <laughs> so again, you we transport pussy. Dad. <laughs> <Cat. laughs> We transport across the country back to Las Vegas. We are now in a church at a uh, AA meeting that Barbara is attending because she is, you know, she's on the wagon. She's trying her best. Uh, she is still at this point very excited about the aliens because they are going to save the world and teach us all how to be better human beings. So she is just pouring this spiel all over the fellow AA members, trying to get them all, you know, lathered up and rally around this great event that's going to happen, uh, you know, because they're coming to save us. Um, we jump back to Kansas and the family is seeing Billy Glen off, uh, including his girlfriend Sharona, who's played by Christina Applegate, who doesn't utter a single say, word. <laughs>
0: damn! Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Christina Applegate, but... But uh, that yeah, outfit... Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And they were all over each other. I mean, it, yep. <laughs> it was like... Talk about, a, talk about a really disturbing PDA. I mean they're what all I mean? over each other they
0: live in a trailer you know no it's
2: true but you know so Christina Applegate at this point she she had years of of uh, Married okay. and children. yeah under her belt yet she was she didn't say an actual well, she didn't speak an actual word in this whole movie she was in two scenes three scenes and she didn't speak a word It's just it was just she odd to me she didn't need to no 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 alright Joe <laughs> I think we found another one of Joe's crushes
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I'll take yeah. that one too
2: All right, but yeah, she doesn't say anything in this movie. It's kind of funny, Uh, but they're all seeing Billy Glenn off, and it's kind of funny that, you know, it's a very tiny town. We've talked about this already, and it's like Miami. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Why couldn't the bus station be in front of the donut shop as opposed to a half mile down a fucking dirt road?
0: I don't (laughs) know. They had a walk. Apparently a lot of fucking people live in that town because they show up for the funeral. Oh yeah, I know exactly. So it's just, it just
2: struck me as odd they're in it. They're at the edge of an open field, a half mile from the donut shop for the bus stop.
0: I think it's anyway. cause they wanted that last shot where they zoomed out and you got that side profile.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I guess. Um, Billy Glenn says goodbye to Richie and he drops the R word, uh, which obviously wouldn't fly today. Um, you know, there are a couple of instances of that in this movie uh, of things that definitely would not happen in in today's cinema. Um, you know, and his his whole thing, you know, is just, don't touch my stuff, um, you know, because that's what he's worried about. And Grandma, as usual, is just confused; <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on, so she's definitely one of her out there phases. Um, and then this is the scene. <laughs> this is the scene that you just referenced, Eric. So yeah, Richie's taking Grandma back to the home. And <laughs> They have the conversation about shit she's seen. <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: Is this when they get to the cat? Like the Have you ever had a pussy cat, Richie?
2: Yeah, it's, it's 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 coming. It's coming. It's in. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's in the same timeline, but we're not there yet. Because um, now, again, because we jump a lot in this movie, we are at a uh, press briefing. Um, the president is. You know, mentioning he's talking with world leaders and he's just doing typical presidential stuff that's not even worth writing down. Um, and he decides to take questions. And this is probably the other scene that would definitely not fly today. Um, he gets he gets a question. The only question he gets is: Do Martians have two sexes?
0: Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, then, it, and it's from it's Pat. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Basically. We're
2: looking at the most androgynous person we've ever seen in our um, lives. And do
0: Martians have two sexes like us.
2: Exactly. So um, you know, it was yeah. It's I very tubo 1996. With yeah, it's very 1996. It's definitely something that's not happening today. Uh, so you know, it was funny, kind of. But you know, we move on from that. That's fine. Um, he, yes. So Joe, here is where we we jump back now to Kansas. They get to the home, and here's where uh, we meet Muffy, who Grandma referenced earlier, calling the family traitors for hiding Muffy. Um, we meet Muffy and she's a stuffed cat (laughs) but it's obvious that grandma doesn't know or doesn't give a shit because she's petting Muffy and you know she's very happy Um, we get our first glimpse at her favorite uh, recording artist Mr. Slim Whitman who thank you yes so (laughs) I love it (laughs) So Slim Whitman, real guy, very successful guy. Uh, he sold, he claims he, you know, claims, claimed back in the day that he sold 120 million records. Uh, sales figures show about 70 million, which is still quite impressive. So he's a uh, little
0: slim on his...
2: Uh... Yeah, he, well, all right, uh, he's, he's presidential about his uh, facts. Ah,
0: dudes, <laughs> 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 right. not for long. Exactly,
2: we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, he made a, he made over a hundred records, five hundred songs. Uh, my introduction to Slim Whitman was he was one of the first artists to sell his stuff, basically in the precursor to infomercials. You know, they were still regular commercials; they were maybe thirty seconds or a minute long, but he sold his records on TV with these commercials, and he made a mint doing it. And you know, so that was. That was how I knew who Slim Whitman was well before, because even from my childhood, I knew the name Slim Whitman, and we all used to make fun of his singing. But um, now,
0: now, do you know the uh, Slim Whitman trivia story that goes along with this? I'm assume, assuming you do.
2: Uh, I should, but maybe not, so
0: fill me in. <laughs> okay, so on a radio broadcast, soon after the film was released on video, Howard Stern said he had finally watched it and was amazed to note similarities to his own earlier work. He stated that during the first week he was on air at WNBC in 1982, he and co-worker Fred Norris had created and aired a segment entitled Slim Whitman vs. the Midget Aliens from Mars,
2: oh, which man. Stern
0: proceeded to rebroadcast as proof. The bit depicted Whitman singing as a weapon against invading aliens, which rendered the planet a wasteland.
2: Holy shit.
0: It's the same. I want credit, said Stern. It's a weird coincidence, and it freaked me out. Years later, Stern had Tim Burton on his show as a guest, and he told Burton that he had created a bit Slim Whitman versus the Midget Aliens from Mars in the early 1980s, to which Burton instantly responded, Wow, you should have sued me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great.
2: Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. No, I did not know that. Um... Yeah, I so figured Burton being a Howard Stern
0: guy. You might have known that one.
2: Yeah, I know. You're right. I should have. You know, I, I, it's possible. I've heard that story in the past, but it's been so long. But uh, yeah, and, and obviously Burton basically admitted it. <laughs>
0: yeah, Burton's like, damn, you yeah. should have sued me.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting. But yeah, so Slim Whitman. You know, again, I, I I knew him from my childhood, so it it definitely made the joke more funny for me uh, at the time when I first saw it, and it's still funny because um, you know, His- it, yeah. The dude marketed himself, so... Um. For some
0: reason, I always thought this movie had a theremin, but I guess it's just his voice sounds like a theremin.
2: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's him. That, that was him. And that's why we used to laugh our asses off as kids when you saw those commercials. Because, you know, you couldn't... We couldn't get a hedge around the fact that he was that popular, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the guy sold, you know, 70 million records. That's not a bad, a bad gig. Bad life for a uh, musician, so... Uh, So getting back to things, we are bouncing again. We're back in Vegas, and we see Byron. He's running up uh, Las Vegas Boulevard uh, north, north end of the strip. He's up by where the stratosphere is uh, because in the background when he's running, you can see the Sahara, which changed hands, became the SLS, and is now the Sahara again. (laughs) Um, Mm. That's way on the north end of the strip. And a real cool piece of personal trivia um, behind him, on the on, on the strip there is something called the Rams Head Lounge. All right, that became the Little White Chapel where my wife and I renewed our vows in 2016 during our first trip to Vegas. That's um, cool. So it was interesting to see because the storefront looks exactly the same, but you know in '96 it was a lounge and it became the Little White Chapel. So. That was pretty cool to see. I did a lot of research to confirm that, and I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's accurate because there's definitely you no know, uh, Ram's Head Lounge anymore in that part of uh, Vegas. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a little throwback for me. It was cool to see. Um, so as he's running, a limo pulls up, and it's uh, Mr. Art Lamb, uh, you know, the upstanding citizen of Vegas. Um, he knows Byron just because Byron's a boxer, and he's probably made bet money on him. I think he even references that. Um, he says but he has a It seems a pro- like
0: Byron, know- Byron knows him also. Yeah, I think, well, you know, a guy
2: like Art in, in Vegas is probably known by a lot of people. You know, because again, he's on that, that sort of mob periphery in a really kind of cartoonish way. And you know, he's obviously got influence because he's building a casino on the strip. I mean, you don't just do that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, he's, he probably knows him from that. And, you know, I mean, I earlier if, we saw. Um, if his what? limo
0: had leather. Corinthian.
2: Yeah, Corinthian. <laughs> I know he references that later. Corinthian, if you can get it. <laughs> um, so he offers Byron some, some money to basically be an enforcer for him. And yeah. I, the scene, you know, they could have done without the scene, but I understand why Burton had it as much as, you know, character development in a fucking farce like this is not terribly <laughs> important. Um, they just want to show that Byron is a changed man. You know, he references the demons from his past. He used to do that. He admitted that he used to do it, and it was easy for him. But he's changed his ways, and he basically cast out those demons, and he didn't want to let them back in uh, because he loves his wife. He wants to get back with them, and that's the only way it's going to happen. So I understand the need for the scene, but, again, in a movie like this, eh, take it or leave it. But it happens. It's all right. Um, so, again, we got another shot of the saucers surrounding Earth. Um, And we find out that they, based on trajectories, I guess, are landing in the Nevada desert. So now shit's getting real. Um, We're about to have them touch down on Earth. Uh, The whole gang convenes in the White House to talk about what they want to do. Yet again, Decker gets (laughs) neutered. He wants to nuke them out of the fucking sky. And nobody's having it. Um, Casey plays him like a fiddle. General Casey plays him like a fiddle. And right into his hands. So, you know, uh, the president always defaults to Casey because Casey's a very typical yes man. He's a um, Colin
0: Powell type.
2: Yeah. Nah, no. I love, don't, don't you fucking hate on Colin Powell, dude. All right. We'll talk about that offline.
0: I wasn't um, hating.
2: No, I understand. But, um, yeah. So C- Casey is, you know, and he gives a little explanation as to his uh, his career advancement philosophy uh, not too long from now. So we'll go into that. Um you know, <laughs> this is why I love Rod Steiger so much. His pent up fury. We just got to bite his tongue. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of it is done with his back to the camera, but it's still so expressive. Where he's like, you could see him raging and then his yeah. shoulders just slump. He's like,
0: fuck, like my nuts see are gone like, again. Him and Arlie Ermy have an argument.
2: Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. They they yes, the world might end because that's like a cosmic fucking you know pot stir if you, if you want to call it that. But yeah, so I mean Rod Steiger is the shit. The guy's been you know God, we could talk about his career forever. Um, so <laughs> Decker rants about. So this is another kind of stupid scene, but I, I guess they're still trying to demonstrate that taffy's an angsty teenager. <laughs> Decker goes outside the the Oval Office there. And he starts ranting about peacemongers, and Taffy opens her bedroom door, which I don't know why is right next to the fucking situation room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tells <laughs> to shut up. She's like, could you guys be quiet? I'm sleeping. You know, it's like, oh, come on. Really? Was that necessary? It's 10 seconds, but this shit adds up. <laughs> we could have gotten out of the theater a little quicker if you didn't have that <laughs> fucking scene.
0: Yeah, but they got to get know? her on the screen some more.
2: I, I guess, again, right. He's working, with, you know, he's doing what he has to to work. Um, so now we are in the Nevada desert. Um, here's where we <laughs> Casey, general Casey takes a call in the Jeep from his wife. And it's, it's funny because he's on a big ass military phone, but it rings like a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> that shit's not happening. All right. So he picks up the phone and you know, he's talking to his wife, his wife, you could tell is so proud of him. You can't hear what she's saying, but she's obviously proud of him. Cause he's basically that he's going to, he's greeting the aliens. He's the first human to, to greet an alien. And he just says, didn't I tell you that if I stayed in place and never spoke up, good things would happen? <laughs> so, you know, I guess it worked for him, right? Look where he is. So it's all good. Um, we cut to the crowds. You can see the, the, the lines of cars and the, and the people walking. And so the gathering site is in Parump. It's an actual town in Nevada. And Burton did this because, I, do you guys know who Art Bell is?
0: Yeah, that's so what I was gonna bring this up too. So yeah, okay. Did.
2: So Art Bell, he's been on on the radio for fucking ever. I don't. I mean, he might be gone now. I think he is, but he is like one of the first cons- like conspiracy theorists to have a large format audience. He has interviewed people who claim to be you know butt probed and abducted and you know by aliens and fucking tree monsters and everything. He lives in Pahrump, or he lived in Pahrump, So. This was Tim Burton's nod to him and the eccentricity that he brought to, you know, the whole alien movement. Um, so I thought that was a cool thing. It was a nice little nod, nod to him. Um, we see Barbara, and she is, I guess, you know, coincidentally smart. Where she's not in the crowd, she's up on a hill overlooking the entire event. Uh, she's sitting on the hood of her...
0: smart's the right word or lucky?
2: No, lucky, exactly. This, <laughs> was, a,
0: this was a stupid coincidence. Because she's tearing I, into a crystal.
2: Yeah, it's almost like a plot hole. It's almost like a convenient plot, you know, move uh, just to get her up there so she lives. Uh, yeah, it's yeah day she's sex s- her. <laughs> right, exactly. She's sitting cross-legged on a very expensive Mercedes, looking at a crystal and admiring the the, the view of the crowds down where the where the ship is going to land. The saucer is going to land. So, um, you know, we see the saucer it's coming down. Everybody's getting excited. Uh, it lands. Uh, you know, Natalie mentioned. <laughs> she's on top of the broadcast truck and she just says it looks like a big hubcap you know because that's the level of uh of uh expertise she's just well, she's into fashion of of and that's the exactly fashion of
0: it it's fashioned you know? after a hubcap <laughs> exactly
2: so you know so that we know we, we're not shocked we know that's where we're going to get from our i mean it, it's just it's nat you know um The Martian and the other thing she 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 mentions, which is funny, is that, you know, the door opens up and then the ramp sort of rolls out. And she goes, oh, it looks like a tongue. Yeah, (laughs) just rolls out and sort of flops on the ground. You know, Um, the Martian ambassador, we come to learn he is the he's an ambassador. He comes gliding out of the ship, you know, I mean the troops they are all running. But uh, he's like, you know, the Martians that wear the capes, the leaders, they're like ducks. Where there might be a lot going on underneath that suit, but they're gliding. They're looking very regal. Uh, so he goes, you know, he goes gliding down that ramp, and um, you know he. <laughs> we, I, I'm sorry. We take because I'm again. It's a translation machine. It makes me fucking laugh. I don't know why it's so stupid, but you know the the buffoonish professor is still trying to get the translation machine working. And he swears to Casey it's fine, and you know it is. It works. Um, the ambassador throws a couple of acacs out there, um, and uh, you know he he greets Casey. Casey greets him. Um, it said, "We come in peace," um, and it keeps repeating itself. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. Uh, so in the crowd, there's this hippie dude.
0: <laughs> he releases come a, in peace. Yeah, man. he come in
2: peace, man. He releases a dove, and you know it, it takes off and it flies. Directly over the uh, Martian and <laughs> the ambassador, fucking he he uh, he lets loose. He pulls, you know, he unstraps his blaster and he and he fries this pigeon. <laughs> and then uh, it, you know, obviously it turns into a shit show. The troops, the Martian troops, start opening up. Uh, they are shooting anything that moves. Um, so people are disappearing. Um, the skeletons, de- depending on the guns that are used, they either turn uh, red or green. And yeah. Um, yeah, Burton mentioned that you know, I think this was being released close to Christmas, so he it liked...
0: was they wanted to do it for a Christmas. Thing. Yeah, so
2: he liked the Christmas colors, so he made them green. And then, oh, it was uh, Beetlejuice. There were a couple of red and green skeletons as well. So he just he just kept that motif for his uh, for his skeletons. Um, I so I mean, was... Kate, what was that?
1: Oh, I thought that was a really cool visual choice. Yes, but I, I was a little confused uh, after watching this movie is the whole, like, uh, issue between the aliens and the humans predicated on this misunderstanding dove? about the Dove? No. Or not?
0: No, the aliens are just dickheads. Yeah,
1: because right. it kind of seemed like, from the jump, they were just laughing at the humans. And
2: Oh, no, I, I make... Rev- I, I have In my notes, a little later on, is that the, the, yeah. the Martians have the most subversive, dark fucking humor in the <laughs> universe. In <fact>. Well,
0: originally... <laughs> okay. um. They were going to have different uh, ways of, of killing people with the ray guns, like parts where they would bisect people or cut body parts off or have holes blown through them, um, be melted, shredded, or Caught on fire. But apparently like they were trying to avoid getting an R rating. So they had to tone it down and that's why it was all skeletons. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's always the way,
2: uh, is, is keeping that rating, you know, because it's about the bucks in the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we 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 cut to uh, Billy Glenn. He he's he's ready to 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 step up and uh, and be the hero. So he he's for some reason doesn't have his rifle with him, <laughs> but he blindly runs. He's running in front of other uh, people, other shooting. troops that are shooting <laughs> at the yeah. Martians, and he's not getting hit. He makes it all the way up to his jeep. He grabs that rifle that he knows how to friggin assemble blindfolded. He lifts it up. <laughs> And the clip falls out. Yeah. So he he it's just awful. And his first reaction is to drop the rifle, grab the American flag, and yell, I surrender. <laughs> <laughs> and he, of course, gets vaporized. Um, the funniest thing about that is he has the biggest O face I've ever seen for yeah. someone who's dying because well, his body disintegrates around the face. The face is the yeah. last thing left. And he looks like he is orgasming. And Maybe dying. he is. It's possible. Who knows? You Man, know, whatever. for some reason, the camera was like focused right on him that his parents could watch it. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. No, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, we see the demise of Billy Glenn. He just, he, he couldn't do it. Um, we see, because the, the, the news trucks are being tossed around, you know, like, like uh, paper uh, with all this death and destruction. So both Jason and Natalie have fallen off the tops of the trucks and they're trying to get to each other. They're crawling and crawling and uh, they finally get close to each other and the, their hands connect. And Natalie pulls back and she's holding just Jason's hand because he's now a green skeleton on the ground, uh, completely vaporized except for his hand. Oh. <laughs>
1: That that's really bummed me out. This this whole scene here, because yeah. they, you know, what little of this movie Michael J. Fox was in, they sort of spent making you dislike the, the character. Like you yeah. said, he's super vain, and, and yep, uh, you know they're trying to they're trying to steer you in the direction of her and Pierce Brosnan. You know the spark. So yeah. Y- yeah. you don't you don't much care for Michael J. Fox's character, and then. Inexplicably, they give him this like super heroic moment where he's self-sacrificing. He right, he leaps off of the news van. I yeah. mean, it 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 would have made more sense for him to run away, like out of fear and and leave her to die. The like, way, hundred yeah, percent.
2: They... Because yeah, he's been established as nothing but a self-absorbed douchebag. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. So yeah, it is. It's an awkward moment. It really is. Um, I was listening
0: to uh, an interview with him about that scene. It was in that, that thing I sent you guys that behind the scenes science, uh, sci-fi channel thing.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And
0: and he was talking about, Oh, I have great hair. He's like, whatever they did to my hair, I was running across this field at full speed jumping. My clothes are blowing in the wind and everything is blowing around me, but my hair stayed perfectly still. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. Yep. So, yeah. So, you know, we say, we say goodbye to Jason. He he He's out of, out of the picture now. Um, Natalie obviously drops the hand in horror and Poppy picks it up right away. Um, you know, Poppy the dog, she grabs the hand and uh, that comes into play in, in, in the next scene in just a small way. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, it's obviously a shit show. People are dead. People are dying. Uh, things are blown up and then we see uh, they the aliens grab Natalie. Uh, they grab the dog and they head up the ramp and the saucer takes off.
1: Um because spoiler alert, these aliens are super horny. Oh, oh yeah.
2: fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Okay, the one alien
0: and, that picks up the purse is the one I laughed at the most. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's funny, that
2: happens later. <laughs> There's a reference to that purse later in another scene, and it's great. So yeah. uh yeah, so you know, the aliens take off, it's a mess. Uh, we're back in the White House now. The crew's back together, and they still can't come to a consensus as to what the fuck to do. Um, you know, you've got a contingent swearing that this is just a misunderstanding, <laughs> including the the first daughter who mentions maybe they just don't like doves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and you know, so yeah. Of course, you, Decker. We know where Decker stands. All right, he wants to blow shit up, um, and and they're not having it. They're just not having it. Um, The president is still looking at this as a reelection opportunity. He needs to save the votes. They got to spin this and save the votes. So, you know, they're arguing back and forth. (laughs) Another funny part of that is, you know, again, you got Decker's rant wanting to blow them up. They go through people saying, you know, Hey, we should have a town hall. Ask the public and, and things like that. And, and the president asks his wife, what should we do? Marsha, we should kick the crap out of them. And, Just Decker, he just, he just looks at her and he just points and he's like, see, <laughs> but again, chopped off at the knees. He's, it's not happening. They're not going for it. Um, you know, cause, cause president Dale, he just says, well, he did say they come in peace. <laughs> so here we are just prolonging the inevitable again. Um, cause it ain't going to work, you know? Um, so Kessler and the president are trying to contact the aliens. They want to extend the olive branch again. Uh, and, and see what they can do. So, <laughs> this is such a funny scene because it lends that, you know, it lends the that reference you made to them being just horny little fuggers. Um, we cut to inside the saucer and all of the non-lead Martians are just in their underwear. They're all in basically bikini briefs <laughs> doing their work. They're all very comfortable in the briefs. So they are running around doing different things. Uh, we pan across a table where one of the aliens is trying to revive the pigeon or uh, the, the dove yeah. that the ambassador fried. That's not working. Then the next little part of the table is Jason's hand. They've got that walking around, <laughs> maybe a nod to, to, to the Adams family. I, I, who knows? Um, I mean, if
0: that's the hand they use later in the movie.
2: It could. Yes, it could be. It could be. Um, and then the third station is <laughs> referencing that purse that the alien picks up. They have uh, Natalie's lipstick, and they rotate it so the lipstick pops out, and for some reason it scares the shit out of both aliens instead of looking at it. (laughs) But it's just funny. Their reaction is kind of funny. Um, So the message that the president uh, delivered comes in on an alien-style ticker tape. Um, Again, just a 50s nod, I guess. Um, That alien brings that message over to the ambassador who uh, reads it and sort of laughs a little bit. And then we see the leader, the supreme leader of the Martians. He sort of drops down from this chair that's up in the ceiling, and he's he's perusing a uh, a Playboy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, he's just digging the pictures in the Playboy. And it is the funny thing is, it's a '50s style Playboy. It is not a Playboy from the '90s. Um, you know, she is still clothed, and I that probably had something to do with the movie rating as well. But uh, they read the note, and of course, it's very funny to them. Um, you know they, they sort of Martian cackle at it with their ax ax. Um, so we move uh, then back to Vegas. We're in Art's mansion again. Um, <laughs> this is where he's setting up limos for the Martians. <laughs> he's talking about want leather seats, Corinthian if you can get it. <laughs> and Barbara's in there. She's arguing with him. You know she's telling him he's crazy. They're here to kill us. You know she she comes to her senses because she's all been pro alien till now. Um, but she knows the Martians are coming for him now, um, so <laughs> Art's lying about it. He he's like, if they land on Earth, if they land on Earth, they're gonna need a place to stay, just like everybody else. Why not here? Yeah. You know. So he's in it for the money. Obviously, he's always looking for an angle. So that's fine. Um, we quickly see that Barbara is definitely off the wagon. All right, she is she is pounding drinks like crazy she sees Um, that
0: southern comfort
2: yeah (laughs) exactly and then uh we get to see art remove his hat (laughs) and the hair goes with it (laughs) that blonde hair that's coming out the back of that so you know it's obviously a shit show underneath that hat um and honestly i mean that's pretty much how jack looks in real life so i don't think he had to do that much (laughs)
0: yeah right
2: so so and real quick a little do you guys have you guys ever watched that sci-fi uh reality show face off where they do the the Hollywood makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the judges, V Neal in 96, she was the makeup artist for Jack's two characters.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Because this was way back when she was starting her career, but she was just one of the gang in, in the special effects teams back then. And yeah, she did. She was his like makeup person for the makeup, the hair, the prosthetics, all that stuff for both characters. So that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, art was that hat. It's kind of funny. Um, we are now in an exam room where they have a body from one of the aliens, uh, one of the Martians that didn't make it from the uh, the Vegas landing. And, you know, Kessler's looking at this thing, and he even voices his biggest concern is that there's no genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> why, why that's important, I <laughs> who the fuck knows, but... You know, besides him sticking his hand in the brain um, and, and coming out with the goo, uh, that was that was that was only very curious to him. But the no genitalia concerned him. So, uh, and of course, that never comes up again as to why it's concerning. But that's all right. Um,
0: also, those outfits they're wearing are crazy. Like for like an exam, like wearing spacesuits for to do an exam. <laughs> no. I know, yeah, but they have no like
2: face coverings or anything you know it's like they're not worried about ingesting or inhaling anything from the from the Martians, but you know yeah they're suited up otherwise um, We are now back in the saucer, um, and this is a it's a cool scene um, mm-hmm. we got a Martian of course in his, his red bikini underwear he enters sort of a trophy room is the best way I can describe this, and when I first saw it, I almost it's almost it almost reminded me of like the collector's room in, in the Marvel universe.
0: Yeah. Like guardians of the galaxy.
2: Yeah. Like other, like, you know, conquests from other, you know, galaxies or planets or whatever. I don't know how, I I don't, I don't think it's that deep the more I looked at it. But the reason I thought about that is because there was a giant brain, way bigger than a human brain. Um, There was another tank full of just big eyeballs, you know, that were all looking. So it's, kind of obviously they didn't come from Earth so that's why I tagged it as a trophy room it's kind of hard to to nail down um, there's a cow in one of them yeah. and there is a clown in one of them and again at first I thought okay are they referencing killer clowns from outer space but apparently that clown costume Burton just threw in as sort of an inside joke it's a clown that uh, the penguin kills in Batman Returns
0: yep I was going to bring that up yeah so glad you so
2: So, yeah, so, you know, but in there, in there, we we see uh, Natalie, the aliens carrying Natalie's head and head only in a jar. Um, And she opens her eyes to see the dog's head, Poppy's head on her body.
0: All right. Who wants to make the joke? (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to make it? Is it better that way? Is that the joke? She's a real Sarah Jessica Barker. Oh,
1: God.
0: All right, yeah. Ding. Wow, Guys, yeah. Thanks exactly. for joining us. Uh, <laughs> Good night, folks. Try well, the meatballs. I've been waiting for, here for, here that for like the past like hour and twenty seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead, he's, he's just rocking in his chair. He's waiting. He's waiting. Like, come on, get to the Barker. Come just on, the
2: bar
1: come on. <laughs> oh, that's great.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know uh, she sees. She sees that abomination, and she screams, and then, you know, we fade to black for the next scene. Um, That's the point
1: where the movie goes full Burton. Like Yes.
2: <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, we're back in Kansas. Um, you know, Toto might not think so, but yes. yes we're back not in Kansas anymore. Yes, yeah, we are. <laughs> no, we are in Kansas. We are attending, now attending Billy Glenn's funeral, which happens to be in the open field right next to the bus station. <laughs>
0: And apparently there's a lot of people in that trailer park.
2: Yes, there are. And there were a lot of people there. And the one thing I made a note about this scene is that it is a very somber scene. There isn't a single joke in it. It's treated with respect as a military funeral uh, from start to finish. So I, I, I would imagine that was intentional on Burton's part, maybe just to pay respect. He didn't, you know, as irreverent as he can be, he didn't want to mess with that, you know, that that institution so it was just a it was a straight military funeral scene with the 21 gun salute with all of them you know flinching at at each shot and then we're done with it you know and then he's back to his zaniness but he he kept that very straight and serious um so i did i did notice that um we jump again back to dc into uh louise's house now and the boys are uh, they're playing the home version of Flesh Eaters. <laughs> and again, demonstrating that they are very good at it. Uh, so we, we know something's coming because these boys are, are crack shots. Um, Byron calls to let Luis know that he is coming home. He wants to be with her. He wants to be with the kids. He's coming back to Washington. So, um, you know, we move from there into the White House. Um, Kessel is in a little room and he gets a transmission from the Martians uh, that he brings to the president and we find out, you know, it's, quote, a formal apology. Uh, The leader wants to speak to Congress. So, you know, we we have a George Bush situation here. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me again or however that goes. It's
0: it's, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Well,
2: you can't fool me twice. Right, exactly, (laughs) right. So, you know, they're falling for it hook line and sinker, and the Martians know this because it goes back to Eric's point, just a subversive sense of humor. they are fucking with us so bad, and it's great. I love it that 's the best like plot point in this movie and and you know my notes about it come more frequently now with the different shit that they pull on us, so it's pretty cool. Um, we are now at the Capitol building. Uh, there is a huge crowd gathered outside, uh, along with uh, uh, Decker in his glory standing on top of a tank and he's ready to go at a moment's notice he's finally getting his wish uh, to, a, to a certain point um, it's funny because, <laughs> because there's military guarding you know the fence, they don't want the crowd to rush the fence and two of them are carrying signs one says no applause and the other says no birds <laughs> huh. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're still working on that, maybe it was the dub theory, so the <laughs> no birds sign made me laugh, <laughs> yeah, so they don't want to risk it, uh, they don't know uh, so the saucer lands and the, con- the Martian contingent heads inside. It's um, <laughs> another very realistic scene and very apt in that, uh, you know, Congress is assembled and all we see is a bunch of fucking old white dudes. <laughs> OK, I mean, it's Sounds very accurate. Right. Yeah, it's very accurate because if you look in the cast list, there are two characters from this scene. One is called Morose, old guy, and the other is called incredibly old guy. <laughs> And they must have had like a group on for brown suits. Yes, exactly. So, so even back then, that's what Congress was a bunch of old white guys. Um, So I thought that, that struck me as very funny given, especially given the current climate. Anyway, um, (laughs) the Martian ambassador, he glides down again, you know, he's working his feet underneath, but he's, he's smooth on top. He glides down to the podium (laughs) and here, here he is fucking with the people again he gets up he reaches into his his cape and everybody ducks (laughs) because they think he's gonna pull out a blaster and then he smirks and he pulls out his speech on the ticker tape (laughs) so they all relax but then two seconds later he reaches back in and pulls out the blaster and then you know shit goes wild again um he they just start the troops that are with him and him they just start indiscriminately just roasting people they're just you know they're Disintegrating and vaporizing and blowing up all over the place. Um, <laughs> Glenn Close, Close again steals my heart with her spit take. <laughs> She's taking a swig of tea or coffee, and she just spits it all over the place when she sees this happen. It's very, very good. Um, <laughs> and then this could be one of my favorite lines, if not my favorite line in the whole movie. Is Taffy the first daughter? She goes, "Well, I guess it wasn't the dove." <laughs> <laughs> And she delivers it so well and it's like Yep, yeah, it's not the dove. We're we're past the dove now. <laughs> okay.
1: I think my favorite line comes close to this point too when, when they cut back to Richie and Donut Shop and he goes you know, they're watching on TV, he's like, Why did they do that? And the lady he works with <laughs> Who you never yeah. saw before. <laughs> and I don't know what she's credited as in the movie. Just Hispanic woman, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like,
2: co-worker. I think she's credited as Richie's co-worker.
1: But, and I quote, Maybe they're not liking the human being. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, my God. She's like I the know.
0: slowpoke Rodriguez to his Speedy Gonzalez. Pretty yes. <laughs> exactly. That is a
2: great line. That is a great, like, one-liner zinger. Um, I definitely enjoyed that. Um yeah, so Taffy drops that fucking gem, which was great. And can you tell it's getting later because I'm cursing more? <laughs> <laughs> you, we're gonna, you're going to notice a trend in all these episodes. The later it gets, my mouth just gets looser and looser. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it's your mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: nah, I got the depends on it. It's all right. Oh. <laughs> oh. If he starts asking where Muffy is.
0: <laughs> hey, look, and you guys got to remember, man.
2: My, my shame is way back in the rearview mirror, dude. <laughs> it's like I, can't, I can't even see it anymore. Shame. But anyway, I digress. Um, so at this point, Kessler is now captured as well. Um, I think he might have been targeted, whatever, but they definitely wanted him so you can see them, you know, retreating back up the ramp to the saucer and Kessler is being carried uh, to so they can bring him back. Uh, you know, Decker does get to cut loose with the military, but it does absolutely nothing. Uh, so again it just goes back to the impotent you know (laughs) Decker it's what he is he's either he's either cut down verbally or even when he has the ability to let loose it does nothing and he's just just this impotent rage um, that that just builds through the whole movie with him and again Rod Steiger does a great job with that Um, (laughs) this is also one of my favorite lines Uh, we cut back to Kansas and the old folks home is is watching it on the news (laughs) and grandma grandma just looks and she goes they blew up congress (laughs) it's such a great (laughs) line fucking laughing it is so great i just love the way she does that um so yeah um you know (laughs) we cut back to barbara who is like fully inebriated okay (laughs) she's neck deep in the sauce now um there is no coming back and the uh the saucer takes off um so now now you know again as i said shit's getting real um we are in the War Room in D.C., and it's definitely again modeled after that '50s version of the War Room. I doubt it looked like that in the '50s, and it certainly doesn't look like that today in real life. But that was the that was people's view of it. So it's a it's a '50s style, you know, War Room uh, that we're looking at. There, saucers laid out on a map, and the generals and other people are sitting in the chair. Don't, and all, don't
0: jump on me again. But I heard this was also another Doctor Strange Love thing.
2: Oh, this, no, 100%. In this case, you're 100% right. That's the way it looked in that movie. You're, you're absolutely right. So I would not be surprised if it was an homage by Burton to that movie. Um, so, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, the president walks in, and Decker is hyped up because he, given this, they got, he's got to get let loose. This has got to be it. We can't go any other direction in his mind than to nuke the shit out of these guys, all right? Um, you know, <laughs> the president even looks at him and says, I owe you an apology. And Decker, like a giddy kid, he's laughing. He goes, ah, oh, we all make mistakes, Mr. President.
0: Here you go, Simon. You know, he's
2: like, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, the president's like, not anymore, which further, you know, reinforces that Decker's got it made now, you know? Yeah, so he plops that, that clipboard down <laughs> with the authorization to unleash our nuclear capabilities. Um, and, uh, you know, he just gets immediately shot down. Like the president just shoots him down. Um, you know, he says, we're not going to start a war (laughs) and, and Decker's like, we're already at war, but you know, he's just not listening. And this is like another great moment in the movie. It's one that, you know, you'll find the video clip of just this little snippet, uh, on YouTube in a ton of different ways. And you know, because Decker loses it, you know, we have to strike now. Annihilate, kill, kill, kill. And you know, the president just—he just—he tells him to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. He's slamming his fists on the table, and Decker just turns around again, like that little kid has been told he can't have candy, and he just sort of shuffles off, totally defeated. You know, it's—it's awful. It's sad to see. Uh, And even from the back, again, Rod Steiger's doing a great job because. He's just walking away. We don't see him, but we know he's completely defeated. Um, and this is, so we're starting to find a rhythm here. You know, it only took an hour and so into the movie. So again, Eric, I understand what you're talking about. Um, we another one of the best lines in the movie. Definitely one of Jack's best lines. is: The American people still have two out of three branches of the uh, government working for them. And that ain't bad. That ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely a, it's a cool one liner. It's definitely one of Jack's best lines. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and, uh this
0: was the only movie he's ever been the president in.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I, he's about as far from presidential as well. You know what? He could play Clinton. No. If not for the look, he could certainly play Clinton for the lifestyle. I will
0: say the word presidential kind of went out the window.
2: Basically. Oh no, no, no. I agree. No, it, 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 anything's on the table now. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? <laughs> anything's on the table. Um, yeah, so now the president decides to address the country again. It's uh, it's it's kind of a blah 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 sort of speech. There's really nothing he says in there. Uh, while the president's talking, you know, Barbara is packing like she's taking everything, including the Buddha. <laughs> okay, she's trying to fit this big gigantic Buddha statue in her in her suitcase because she feels that's important. But she's she is ready to get out of town. Okay, um, and then he closes it because at this point he is completely beside himself. You know, he's lost you know, he's, he's lost his own power. Like he is completely just confused as to what to do. So his final line in the speech is we will still come out at a very real outcome. (laughs) And then he gives this like grin, this sheepish grin. And he's, you know, thank you. And then that's the end of the speech, you know? Um, And then it cuts to the saucer and then all, (laughs) all the Martians are hovered around like a tube that watches TV for them. And (laughs) They're all laughing and they're doing the chicken. They put, they're putting their arms under their, their armpits and they're flapping their, their arms like chickens because they think the president is just a joke. And again, it goes to that sub- subversive sense of humor, you know, because they know they're just fucking with him and it's great. Um, so, yeah, we see uh, more of the sadistic side of the Martians. Uh, Kessler is basically disassembled, <laughs> you know, his head's hanging there and the rest his torso is there. It's still working, but it's off to its side and his arms and legs are there. They're all working, but he's completely disassembled. So things aren't looking good for Donald at this point. Um, you know, he, um, (laughs) Natalie walks up, uh, Natalie head on poppy body. Um, she, she walks up to the head and they start, you know, professing their, their, their like, if not love, uh, for each other. Um, kessler talks about how he's had a schoolboy crush on her for a while since she's been on tv and she just loves every second of that the little dog's tail's wagging like crazy because she's very excited about that you know uh they were meant to be together even though it's not going to happen
0: yeah i like uh, how his body is like spread out across a bunch of different things there's like oh tubes yeah running In between and it's it, all functioning yeah yeah but like it's just, it's been like deconstructed
2: yes yeah yeah exactly Exactly. No, it's, it, it was a cool moment. It was definitely, you know, it was definitely a cool moment uh, CGI wise and just creative, creatively. I thought it was a pretty cool, pretty cool moment. So um, we're back in D.C. now. It's night. Uh, the Marshall, Washington Monument's in the background and a bus pulls up and the only passenger that comes out is a <laughs> very tall, quote, beautiful woman. <laughs> uh, you know, who is model, you know, Lisa Marie. She's a model. Um, she was engaged to Tim Burton, I think I mentioned this earlier, from ninety three to two thousand one. Um, and you know, Helena Bottom Carter well screwed that up. No, that's not fair. Tim Burton screwed that up because he's a shit for doing what he did. That's as far as I've read anyway. Uh but yeah, she comes out and she's the Martian's best uh you know, human-like disguise. <laughs> and you know, coincidentally, this is definitely some plot bullshit. Um you know, Jerry's on the prowl again <laughs> in the presidential limo, but he just happens to pull up right after she gets out of the bus in the middle of the night in washington d c um, This is the point I referenced earlier when Kessler talks about telepathic ability. <laughs> this is the only scene I could see where it works where they they knew that this would be their into the White House. And they influenced Jerry somehow. But it's not referenced, so I don't even know if it goes that deep. I think I might be looking deeper than, than uh, even Tim Burton was looking at.
1: Yeah, you're giving them a little too much credit here. No, exactly.
2: No. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my suspensive disbelief, I think,
0: Eric. Well and, I would've loved is if somewhere during these, these this scene of this like this um this this section of scenes, if he would have pulled out a condom and said chewing gum? Yeah. <laughs> exactly that could
2: have worked uh, but yeah I mean that's a good point so yes she is chewing gum she doesn't say a word she's chewing gum and she's chewing gum with her mouth closed and that's explained later a little bit later in the movie um, she glides around like like the ambassador and the leader in their capes um, her arms move in a very funny fashion um, I read that there, to keep that suit as sleek and smooth as possible there were no uh, zippers or buttons she had to yeah. be sewn into that every day <laughs>
0: So. Yeah, I was listening and once again back to that thing I sent you guys from the sci-fi channel. She was complaining about it also that like it put, the wig the, or the wig was actually two separate things on top and it put a hole in her head and left a scar. Holy shit. I don't so doubt heavy. it. The thing was massive. I don't, I do not doubt it. Um, and she couldn't go to the bathroom when she was in that. So she had like, you know, that whole outfit, like there's nothing she could do. Like she was right. She said it was miserable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as I said, Jerry's on the prowl. He's doing he's doing his thing. He is the skeeviest skeeviest dude <laughs> that we've seen. Um, you know, he's instantly turned on by her just because he's a horn dog. I mean, he is just you know I can't say enough how foul he is <laughs> and how skeevy he is. So he you know he wants to bring her back to the White House. He wants to you know because that usually works. You know, with with the, the women he's out there picking up. You know, his access to the White House is certainly a a, a point that will lure them in in his eyes anyway um so he gets the uh the the female Martian uh into the limo and they go to the white house um Mitch the uh, secret service guy <laughs> he he lets them in the back door and you know he kind of just fixes his tie and rolls his eyes cuz it's something he does all the time for Jerry um so
0: well he does make a comment he's like we're just being real careful over what happened at congress
2: Right, exactly, exactly. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop them, stop him from letting and, him and in. And what I
0: don't understand is with the amount of tours that go through the White House, why does she need a tour from him?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, they get in and uh, Jerry brings her down the hall uh, and stops at a statue of John F. Kennedy. And he lifts the head up and it's sort of like in the Batcave in the old Batman series. He yeah. presses the buttons and the wall opens up. And he goes, I want to show you the Kennedy room. <laughs> and uh and just to to bring it up she's wearing a ring that has an eyeball on it uh and that is the uh, the visual uh device for uh the martian leaders up in the saucer they can see everything that that eyeball sees um so they enter the kennedy room and it's like right out of the playboy mansion so (laughs) it is just a smarmy room where you know the sex happens and um you know, I, obviously, that is a, a sort of a throwback to the rumors that were uh, were and are out there about President Kennedy and his dalliances. Uh, yeah. So who knows? That I, I, I might have been the Monroe bed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, yes, yeah, so he gets her in there, and um, you know, he starts he starts his uh, his Borat sexy time stuff, and he basically jumps her. Um, you know, he he mixes the drinks, he gets the drinks first, but uh, he basically jumps her, and um, you know, he puts his finger near her mouth and, or in her mouth and he pulls and, of course, the side of her face comes off and then she bites down <laughs> and bites his finger off. Um, she spits it right into the fish tank and I got a problem with this fish tank because there are a lot of expensive fish in there and there is nothing else. There are no yeah. decorations at the bottom, there's no sand in the bottom, there's no coral. It's a fucking tank of water with these fish also, in it. Also,
0: why would you like put something that's going to require that much maintenance in a room that barely gets used? Yeah, exactly. It was just it was an odd thing. And and
2: and it's not even like the finger in the water and the fish nibbling was a, a funny enough bit like that you couldn't do without it. Yeah. Um it was just like if odd. That was, the like, a whole giant thing.
0: lava lamp or something. Yeah.
2: You know, you you spent 70 million on a smoothie and you couldn't if you're gonna have the fish tank, have a proper, you know, properly decorated fish tank. It, it was just, it was a weird placement, and it around.
0: wasn't even like they were getting the product placement by using the TV show Tanked and having this as an episode. An animal <laughs> exactly,
2: tank. exactly. So, yeah, it was just, it was odd. Um, you, you know, Jerry. Show by the way, uh, I watch it sometimes. Those guys are pretty entertaining, and it's yeah. a Vegas show, so it, it gets it. You know, it, it yeah. gets me get just on fa- that the, the, level. The fat
0: guy's like, "Yo, today we're building the tank for Shack." <laughs> He's gonna love it. Yeah, you know. But
2: yeah, I mean, the show is the same every time. They 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 get yeah. the specs. They start to build. Somebody fucks something up. They got to fix it. Then they finally get it right at the last minute. Yep. Um, Can you, it, you
0: believe know. he mixed up the pH balance in this water? The fish are gonna <laughs> die. What are we gonna do? No, it's like
2: they work with a bunch of idiots who never did this before. Every and episode, then they always <laughs> try to set
0: up practical jokes to like trick each other yeah, around the shop.
2: Yeah. It's 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 one of the worse uh staged reality shows out there yeah i mean it's so obviously yeah because they're not good at you know they're not good at the acting part but yeah Uh, yeah so you know our martian girl is on a mission now right she is she is hustling down the hallway looking for the presidential bedroom uh she's got a mission to fulfill and she wants to get it done uh so uh she finds the room she enters the room uh we see that ring the eyeball's looking around. The, uh, the the Martian leaders are very happy. They're close to achieving a goal of getting rid of the president. Um, she pulls off the, the the mask, so we see she's a Martian. We knew it, but she's you know the hair is gone, the, the mask is gone. She's a Martian. Still has that outfit on, uh, and the dog wakes up and starts barking, and that poor dog gets vaporized like instantly. You know that it's was like, actually mm.
0: one of the cards they said of the oh, original yeah? cards. That was okay. one of the most popular. One one of the cards was the the dog getting uh, shot. Uh, but it wasn't a president. And like the card, it was like a little kid, okay, like crying as the Martian shot its dog.
2: Yeah, I mean it's pretty sad. I, it, whatever, but it, you know you never want to see a dog get hurt or an animal get hurt. Um, so yeah, so the dog is gone, vaporized. I don't even think there was a skeleton. I think he was just like dust. Um, but we see a President who's a president of action, actually, both the President and the first lady. The First Lady ducks, like, behind the bed, but she immediately grabs a shoe and wings it at the Martian. It hits her in the head. Um, and the President just tackles her. Like, he, there's not even a question. He doesn't cower or anything, man. He's in there. And he knocks her down, but she gets the upper hand because she's got her blaster. Um, she puts it to his head. He sort of back off into another room, and they're surrounded by the uh, Secret Service. And again, the President is quick thinking. Uh, he ducks, and the Secret Service open up because she's not wearing a helmet and that's it she's gone so that threat is neutralized Um, (laughs) when I saw Nicholson covered in the green I just I just thought he slimed me yeah (laughs) that's all I thought so um, yeah he's covered in slime Uh, the first lady's grossed out by it but you know she's happy her husband's okay uh, and the Martian leaders are obviously pissed off. The the leader <laughs> just shoves one of the subordinates and sends them across the room. So, you know, because that plan didn't go well. Um, that sends us to now what we're building up as the climax to the movie. Finally, we're going to have an all-out war here. Um, we're back up in the sor- the saucer. The Martians are preparing for war. They're on the sort of a uh, suiting-up conveyor belt that gets them in their battle gear and gives them their weapons. Um You know, we we see we even see a big robot. You know, a a Martian-controlled robot with big claws that's going to help take over the Earth. Um, And Kessler and and Natalie are there. They're seeing all this, and they're you know, if they could shit themselves, they would have. But they don't have assholes anymore, so (laughs) it's just heads. Um, And then we see the saucers just all descending on DC. Um, We cut to a quick scene in the in that science lab where the you know second-in-command scientist. Determines that that gum that the, the Lady Martian was chewing is pure uh, nitrous, uh, NO2. I guess that's nitrous. Nitrogen. Uh, nitrogen, nitrogen, yeah. Uh, so that's how she was breathing without a helmet. And that's why she was chewing the gum with her mouth closed because, you know, she had just had to inhale. Uh, and that's why yeah. she put a second stick of gum when the first one fell out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a little throwaway scene. It doesn't really affect us going forward, but now we know why she was chewing that gum. Um, so D.C. is getting its ass kicked now. The saucers are flying around. Um, this is a very subversive, again, subversive humor, funny, dark humor. Uh, a saucer comes up to the Washington Monument. Well, first, a group of Boy Scouts are, you know, in the midst of this battle. Yeah. <laughs> they decide it's the perfect time to go check out the Washington Monument. And the uh, the saucer pops up, and it blasts the monument, and it starts to tip and the saucer catches it and then tosses it the other way and goes around the other side. So sort of kind of playing Pong with itself. And then it flips it and fucking flattens all the Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah. It's off screen, but those Boy Scouts are, are toast. They're all And gone. if I'm
0: to believe every single thing I've seen on Facebook lately, that's not the worst thing that happened to the Boy Scouts that day. No. <laughs> Too real. You know, recently. <laughs> that's, recently that's like the new fa- thing is like every time I go on Facebook, it's like, were you a Boy Scout? Well, exactly. To-
2: it's funny. I was just going to say that the ads on Facebook it's like they suddenly thought that you know this was pertinent to me and no matter how many times I would click hide ad and hide this forever another one from another fucking law firm would pop up yeah it's so crazy yeah Uh, but yeah the Boy Scouts got flattened I kind of chuckled at it I really did I thought it was funny Um, uh, we're back in the White House the Martians are in the White House now Um, and so they are starting to evacuate and I forgot to reference this when when Byron calls home uh, earlier to say he's coming home. He talks to uh, to Ray J, and uh, Ray J says, "Yeah, we're going to see the president tomorrow." Uh, so you know they they're on a tour. They of course happen to be in the White House uh, right when the tour you know when the invasion's yep. happening. They're on this tour, um, so they're there and <laughs> they're getting a lesson from uh, you know from the tour guide. Uh, the older boy looks and goes, what's that? And she turns around, oh, that's a, president of, uh, a portrait of President Monroe. And he goes, no, that. And then she gets vaporized. <laughs> yeah. So she's gone. Um, the boys are, are two of the biggest heroes in this movie. Yeah. All right? they, Get that president out of here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking, they kick ass from start to finish. All that flesh eaters training pays off. When everybody else is running around like chickens without heads and they're in that room there, they see those those Martian blasters and they are on them. They're hiding behind a Martian body and they're taking out other Martians left and right. Um, so then, yeah, they're trying to evacuate the president, first lady, and, and the first daughter. Uh, they come around a corner into a larger room. Uh, the first lady sort of slows down because she's shocked by all this. And, it, and that's, again, where the chandelier she mentions, she references something specific about that chandelier. I don't know what she said. But uh, it gets blasted. It turns, I think, green, maybe red. I don't remember. And it crushes her. So First Lady's gone. Uh, Bye-bye, Glenn Close. I loved you. You were great in this movie.
1: Um, At least you got
0: the chandelier down that she wanted to get down.
1: That's true. She said, hey, I hate this chandelier. It kills me.
0: (laughs) That's true.
2: Um, But, yeah, so, you know, seeing the First Lady die puts everybody, including the Secret Service agents, basically in a panic. But the boys come and Joe referenced that line. <laughs> get that president out of here.
0: Yeah, and, like, you know,
2: they lay down cover fire and they get out. It's fantastic. I just love that they're the heroes. You know, they, they, they are like the A-team. So. Exactly. So now we're back in Vegas. Uh, so Vegas which members is,
0: of the A-team are they? <laughs> Come on, Doug. you said it
2: <laughs> no <laughs> i was never a big a team fan believe it or not
0: they're like i don't mm. like that milk
2: all right now here we go
0: <laughs> no i mean he wouldn't drink milk because he knew that every time they gave him milk it would make him pass out and then he ended up in a plane right exactly he wasn't stupid um so we're back in
2: vegas vegas is getting decimated uh but apparently art Mr. Land, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's got an investor meeting going on in the top floor of the, 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 the Galaxy Hotel. Uh, he's got investors from all over the world. He's so got sheets the in there.
0: Stereotypical group of investors. Yeah, it, it was kind of
2: stereotypical. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're all there. And, you know, from the way it's set up, Art's got his back to the window. so he doesn't see anything that's going on, but they all see it. And they're trying to get his attention. But, you know, Art's on a roll and he doesn't give a fuck what people think. Uh, or, or trying to tell him, you know, he, he's, uh, he's got to let it out. You know, his hat's off and he's got a different hairpiece on. It's gray. <laughs> it's still a mess, yeah. but it's a different hairpiece. Uh, and you know, he's, he's just talking, he's blustering on to the, the investors and, you know, they could see everything outside. Um, you know, he, his one of his, his last lines are, there's no way we can lose. <laughs> he's trying to convince him to invest. And then he turns around to see the carnage and he does just another jack and understated, whoa! <laughs> 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 and it's just so great. You know, it's like, yikes, but no, whoa! And uh, he turns around again and a giant globe statue that's in the, uh, the thing tumbles as the building is shook and it, it basically flattens him. <laughs> it just squishes him. Um, that's where they used the uh, demolition of the Landmark Hotel footage and um, you know to show the destruction of the Galaxy Hotel. Um, and it's funny. No, it's not funny, but it, as the hotel is falling, it's almost down. That globe rolls out of the window. You don't really see art. <laughs> the globe itself rolls out of the window and crashes to the ground from the distance. Yeah. Um, you don't really see it. So, um, And then we come to my favorite. Um, I love this man. <laughs> I love the way he sings. I love the way he performs. Uh, Mr. Tom Jones pops up on screen.
0: It's not unusual
2: to be loved by anyone. I love that dude. Okay. Um, So he's just doing his thing, man. He's doing the Tom Jones thing. He's got the audience grooving. He's singing. Everything's great. Death and destruction outside, but Tom Jones is on stage. You do not fuck with him. Okay. And that's the way it works. In real life and in this movie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yep. So uh, we cut to Byron calling home because he's frantic. Things are going crazy. Uh, we see that the boys have made it home, which is great because they are indestructible. Uh, <laughs> you know, and we love them well, they, for it.
0: They take after their dad.
2: Exactly. We love them for it. They, right. They are, boxer, they are a champion boxer's kids and they, and, they, and they know how to survive. So I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, You know, So as he's talking to Louise, the line gets cut because all hell's breaking loose. Um, We see Byron. He's running through the casino. He bumps into Barbara. They know each other, too. um, And they hatch a plan uh, to fly out because originally Art and Barbara had their plane loaded and ready to go. They're going to go to the caves uh, by Lake Tahoe uh, to ride it out. (laughs) It's kind of funny because she's trying to explain to Byron what's going on. She says, we just need a pilot. He's like, what about Art? Oh, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very casually. Oh, he's dead. You know, well, he's so, dead. Yeah. So they got to find a pilot. Where are they going to get a pilot? All right. Bum bum bum. Uh, there you bum, go. Bum bum. bum. Uh, so Tom Jones comes out. Uh, well, no, actually, sorry, we're back on stage, and he's he's still singing, and he's part of the, the stage lights go completely black around his backup singers, uh, who are by the way his real life backup singers. So yeah. like that whole band was his band, from when you know from whenever he's in Vegas or they are probably tour with him and travel with him that was his band so his backup singers you can't see them the lights come back up and it's three martians mm-hmm. <laughs> they're dancing to the song and they're doing it and they're ak uh instead of singing um but you know in the theater all hell breaks loose um it's funny because a lot of the times during the different attack scenes the attacks by the martians are very random and indiscriminate basically they're hosing everybody down yeah. But for some reason in this scene, there is one Martian, man. He's locked on Tom. He's locked on TJ. And he wants him dead. <laughs> so Tom Jones goes aside, exit stays left, and um, the Martian is chasing him. And he's dodging blaster shots, and he gets out. He gets out onto the casino floor, and he runs right into Byron and Barbara. <laughs> and, you know, again, they hatch that plan. So not soon after they get together, the Martian finds him. And um, Byron steps up and and does does his work. He becomes the boxer. Um, he one he one punches uh, the Martian, and obviously cracks open the helmet, uh, bashes his brain, and and that Martian's dead. Um, so, <laughs> and this is why I love Tom Jones so much. He's a bad actor, but after the punch, he just he walks up behind Byron and he goes, "Wow, hell of a punch! I'm Tom Jones, by the way." <laughs> <laughs>
1: this movie is like it's a so fever dream. <laughs> Exactly,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking campy and beautiful. Oh, I'm Tom Jones, by the way. Um, so Barbara states she, she needs a drink, and they, oh, uh, sorry, Danny DeVito came running up uh, earlier, and he sees Byron, he goes, "Oh, you're Byron Williams. You know, I love you. I saw you do this boxing, whatever. Just being the obnoxious, rude gambler that he is. Um, so the yes, yeah, so and when they get to that point, Barbara says, "I need a drink. You and me both, baby. <laughs> that, that's Danny at his best. He's great." Um, that's not him
0: at his best, but that's him. Oh no, no, no! Being, I, I mean, yes, within that character, right? Yeah, I uh, was gonna say because he gets a lot better in a yeah. certain show. Oh no, 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 of course, of course, no, no there's no comparison. Like but, that's uh, why, like, I thought he could have played the art, the art land character because of his his time as Frank. Oh, definitely. Frank gets real rich and Frank gets the Lamborghini. Yes. the billboard yes. with Absolutely. him between the two
2: pairs of giant knockers. Yep, and again. Joe, I, I'll repeat myself. I've never seen the show, but I know exactly what you're talking about because of my sons. Oh, <laughs> I know all ever. about that show from biosmosis. Like I know every fucking scene. It's still the best um, show ever. Perfect yeah. five. So, so <laughs> just randomly, they ask Tom Jones if he knows anybody if he knows how to fly a plane, and he answers, "Yeah, sure, got one." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. It's so stupid. It's so fucking dumb. But yeah, sure. Got one. Um, so, you know, it, the scene fades as Las Vegas get it, It's getting its ass kicked. I mean, the Martians are just decimating the place. Um, we're back in Kansas. We watched
0: did Donut it, World. What's that? Did it show the scene where the Martians are walking down the street with the, um, the machine saying, we want to be your friends? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That happens <laughs> in the carnage. We want to be your friends. Don't run. Don't run. Don't run. We
0: want to be your friend. I, yeah. I love that because they're just like you know. trolling everybody. With right. the, with the Again, machine.
2: it's all part. You're right. It, that's what it is. It's one big troll. Okay. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, we see the beautiful uh, donut world get destroyed. Um, you know, one of the things about this is <laughs> who knew that a fucking small town in Kansas would be such a strategic point to attack in Dang. the United States. You got to <laughs> get them all. They are hitting it they are hitting it full force, man. The donut world is gone now. All right. The, the only place ruined.
0: they are not attacking is the caves inside outside of Tahoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Although there's a shit ton of them in the in the lake. Right. Yeah, after the fact, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I love the montage
1: <laughs> of them destroying all these important like historical yeah. landmarks. Yes. And then like, the yep. donut world.
0: The Eiffel yes. Tower bends over, the Taj Mahal blows up. Exactly. Yeah. All of it. All of it.
2: So yeah, so Donut World's gone. Um, you know, Richie heads to the trailer to uh, to um, you know, let mom and dad know that he needs to get grandma, and they don't have a single fuck to give about grandma. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the line comes in. Grandma, she's halfway to outer space already. Says dad. <laughs> it's like you yep. know, they're you know, not getting the TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not getting the TV. Um, so just making sure. Yep. Wow. You know, Joe, I got to I got to say, retyping the notes in the computer and printing it out is so much better than trying to follow the scribbled handwriting from the original round. It is, yeah. Uh, I did the same and, and, thing this time. And, you know, they have, they have this thing in Word where you can number the pages, too. <laughs> no. And that really, really helps. And anyway. Just in case you get it mixed up. Yeah, exactly. So, at least I know, I know I'm in the right place. So, uh, we are now back in the war room. Um, and, oddly, the president's by himself. Oh, um, you, there isn't... Why
0: Are we back there yet? Or did, uh, did we miss the scene with the trailer park? Or is that next...
2: No, that's next. They cut to the okay. war room first. I yeah, don't want to miss that war... scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know. They cut to the war room. Uh, and the president, again, It's odd. he's oddly by himself. All right. There's a flurry of activity normally, but he's the only one in the room now. Um, he he gets paged that the French president is calling him. <laughs> <laughs> so he picks up the phone and we, we cut to, you know, a room in Paris. You can see the Eiffel Tower in the background. And <laughs> the French president tells him that he has good news. The Martian ambassador is here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now they're trolling the French too. It's great. Yep. Um it obviously didn't go well. <laughs> so, you know, the president President Dale hears, you know, death and destruction on the other end of the line. Uh we watch the Eiffel Tower melt into a heap of uh metal. Yeah, kinda like and
0: bends over, goes limp.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then the president just whispers, Mon Dieu, which <laughs> is my God. <laughs> he hangs up the phone. Um, we now just go to a quick cut of Vegas where there's more uh, destruction. You know, we see the group trying to make its way to the airfield. I think that might have been when you saw the scene where, you know, we we want to be your we friends. We want to be your right? friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so we're instantly back in the war room and now it's like completely full. And people are running around and trying to do things. It's all a lot of activity and you know, whatever. I guess the president needed a moment alone, so they let him go. Um, but the president is just basically he's, bes- he's beside himself, he's got nothing left. He's just crumpled down on the table. You know, and Decker walks over over to him and asks, can you sign this, sir? He goes, what, my last will and testament? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like a Henny Youngman one-liner. It was so fucking great. Uh, no, the approval to deploy our nuclear capabilities. <laughs> and the president, he just signs it. So, again, Decker, once again, is in his fucking glory, all right? He's probably got a big, fat chubby. He can't wait to press the button. Um, you know, they cut to the nukes. You see the nukes coming out of the... Uh, coming out of the bunkers. uh, They're flying up there. (laughs) And then this is the scene that definitely frames the Martian sense of humor. They send out this what looks like a fucking vacuum, an old school vacuum. (laughs) The nuke blows up and it sucks in all the fumes and all the radiation from it. And they bring it back in the saucer. And the Martian leader, he fucking inhales it like he's at a party.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like it's (laughs) a helium balloon.
2: He starts acting like he's got
0: helium. (laughs) It's like super like, high-pitched, I can... I
2: know, and they are laughing their asses off because Decker and the president are watching this happen going, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they are trolling him so bad. It's so great. Uh, I um, love
0: how like, they laugh so much about yeah,
2: everything. It's, it's all a fucking big game to them. This yeah. is just fun, you know? Um, and then here's where we get that, that mini montage of everything being destroyed. So, I mean, we see London, the, the, you know, Big Ben gets wrecked. Mount Rushmore gets re-carved which is great you know that that also you know basically it it predicts the future where a a certain quote president wanted to put his face on Mount Rushmore Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know and then the uh, Uh. you know yeah then we get the Taj Mahal and the great thing about that scene is there's three Martians well four Martians trying to trying to take a photo up and you think they're standing in front of the Taj Mahal to take a picture but they wait till it gets blown up so they can take the picture then so um, so it's pretty cool Um, then we cut to a quick scene where the Martians are bowling on Easter Island (laughs) yep I love that one. So they roll roll the bowling ball. They knock down the Easter Island statues. And it's interesting because they cut to a quick crowd scene of of sort of the the Easter Islanders watching this happen. And a very young... uh, Do you know who Cliff Curtis is? Yes. All right. He's in that scene. He's holding... I think he's holding a child. But he watches the destruction of the statues. I mean, Cliff Curtis is one of my favorite actors. Um, It goes back to this Australian movie called Once Were Warriors... It's one of the most depressing movies ever made <laughs> but it's a movie about the the uh, Maori warriors and just basically their oppression and shit you know they they're not they were not treated very nicely and that's putting it extremely mildly but anyway he was in that and that's even before this movie and then just all of his roles because he's like an everyman. He, he he plays so many different nationalities because he has that that blended look, and um, he's a great actor. So it was cool to see him and recognize him without knowing he was in it, and he's not even credited. Um, he's not even listed as uncredited, but it's definitely him. There is no question it's him. Um, all right. So uh, again, we got more <laughs> we got more gen- generalized destruction. Uh, but we flash to the saucer where the Martians are watching television. <laughs> they're watching a Godzilla movie, and then they switch over to Dukes of Hazard. Um, so, so they're doing that. So they're digging. They're digging uh, Earth TV. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, all right, we're in the home stretch here, guys. Uh, we're back in Kansas, and we learned that uh, that that Billy Glenn's uh, girlfriend Sharona. Didn't miss Billy Glenn for very long. <laughs> nope. She's good. She's in a, the trailer and it's rocking. Um and, and, it's, and they're not knocking. No, they're no they they're they're past knocking. They're leering like dirty old men on <laughs> the two Martians. Yeah, you um, would know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Yep. Woohoo. Or Brooke Shields was in there. Yeah. Oh I I'd peek. <laughs>
2: but yeah i just noted you know voyeur martian creepers because that's what they're doing they're looking Pretty in much, there yeah. but uh we are we are in full destroy the trailer park mode at this point um yep
0: the, robot. the robot's
2: there again why deploy the big robot to a small town but it doesn't matter at this point we're on a roll all right we're moving because that's all
0: the card was exactly
2: we're moving <laughs> at hyperspeed all right so the robot is there it is wrecking these trailers <laughs> It uh it grabs uh, well before that happens. Richie's out the door and he's in the he's in the truck because he's got to go get grandma. All right, and it just shows his devotion to his grandmother. That's what's important to him because he knows his parents don't give a shit about him. Uh, so he's going to rescue grandma. Um, the robot picks up mom and dad's trailer. Um, they start getting tossed around. It grabs another trailer and they are you know involuntary bumper car <laughs> participants. Yeah. So we, we say adios to mom and dad at this point. They are, they're toast. Um, the, uh, Richie's truck gets the, gets the attention of the robot. Um, so rather than continuing to destroy the trailer park, it Laser focuses on on Richie in the truck and starts chasing him. And, you know, we get a quick shot of the Martian in there, working the levers to make the thing run. Um, it, it almost catches up to him. It's like right there. It's ready to pounce on him. But it gets tangled up right before the, the old folks home. It gets uh, tangled up in the electrical wires. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we we cut back to Vegas because we've got to find out where the uh, the Vegas crew is. Um, it's funny because they're now in the Neon Boneyard. It was called the Boneyard at the time, and now it's a museum. You can go on tours. It's a really cool place. But it's up by uh, Fremont Street, so it's in North Vegas. Um, it would have taken hours to walk from where they were yeah. on the strip up to that place. Okay. So they, they definitely did some time jumping, but they're in the maze. That is the neon boneyard. Um, they're running around and you know, rude gambler, Danny DeVito, he's getting pissed off. <laughs> he yells at Byron, just cause you're just like King Tut doesn't make you a leader <laughs> for whatever reason. It's, you know, he just doesn't like being bossed around cause he's rude yeah. gambler. Um So he runs off in a different direction. He gets stuck in the maze and, rounds a corner and there's a Martian standing right there at him so uh, it turns out he's a lawyer so he's gonna negotiate his way out of this Um, he offers him the Rolex and the Rolex seemed to piss off that Martian more than a dove because as soon as he said Rolex uh, Danny got it and he was he was vaporized and it was great because um, when he vaporized the cloud above him was an actual mushroom cloud Because he's just so angry, yeah. That he just turned into a mush, an actual mushroom crowd You see, just you know, vaporize up into the uh, into the air. So it was pretty cool. Um, right after that happens, uh, Barbara comes around the corner too. She's got a, a, a blaster now, and um, she hits the Martian and makes him disappear. <laughs> and then Tom Jones again comes out. Nice shot. <laughs> it's fucking great. I love Tom Jones. Did I mention that? No. Um, yeah. So, ah, all right. We are once again, back in Kansas. The robot gets tangled up in the, in the power lines, which allows Richie to get out of his truck and get into the old folks home. And there is a full on assault. Cause we got to get rid of those old folks. All right. Because they're the key to it all. <laughs> if we don't get rid of them, they're going to come back and stomp us. The Martians must think so. Um, they are, you know, the Martians are walking through the hall. They blow a hole through, through grandma's wall. Uh, she's oblivious to this fact because she's got her headphones on and she's listening to Slim. So uh, things are good in her life. Um, they wield this absurdly large laser <laughs> behind her, and again, it's—I think it goes back to that just that sense of Being humor a that dickhead, they have. Yeah, yeah. They just want to be a dick. They're We're to like, do this. Shh, We're going to do it quiet. all the way. Exactly. Right. They're, yeah. They're tiptoeing in. They're lining up this large laser, and it's—it's it's, it's like a practical joke to them. Yep. Um, just as they're ready to light it up uh, Richie comes around the corner and that distracts Grandma enough to where she realizes something's going on and uh, as she turns around to look she yanks out the, the headphone cord um, and you know heads begin to yeah <laughs> yeah thank you head to yep. do it for you exactly um, you know brains begin to vibrate the Martians clutch their heads and we start popping um, the heads are popping like crazy okay um, grandma delivers another great line <laughs> she looks at Richie and she goes Richie I think these guys are very sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so uh, grandma's had enough with them um, uh, that is a great line yeah it's just so it's just it's yeah, just the way she delivers it it was so good um, back in the war room uh, the war room was under siege so the Martians blow a hole in the door and they roll in a, this small green orb. So we're expecting a hand grenade or something. Yeah, like a bomb. Um, it rolls in, it stops. Then the, uh, the, the Martian leader hops through the hole. His troops come behind him. He walks over to the globe and picks it up and shakes it. And it's a fucking Martian snow globe. Yeah, and again, basically. he just laughs. He tosses it in the corner. He just laughs. Because that's another practical joke that he pulled off, uh, you know, against the hapless humans. It's fucking great. And then uh, we, get the, we get the speech. Uh, from Decker. <laughs> he just goes off.
0: It's Which so is basically good. ripped off of a uh, Winston Churchill speech.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially the last part when he's being shrunk. That's, that's all Churchill. Yeah. You know? uh, but yeah, he's, you You think he can do anything you want? Well, you can't. Because we're human beings and we have the U.S. Army that'll fight you to the last man and will never surrender. And he's got two 45s in his hand and he's just wailing away with these things. And again, it's all... Just impotent power, nothing happens down there, basically chuckling,
0: yeah, and as he does that, they're shrinking him,
2: yeah, they're shrinking him, never surrender, never surrender and his voice keeps getting higher, and then the, the well, Martian leader just the last man. exactly, the Martian leader just steps on him like a bug, so yeah. decker's gone, and it's sad because I love them, and then you know the president just almost under his breath he's like, no, you know, um. The troops in the room, you know, Mitch, the Secret Service guy, they're all opening up. Obviously, nothing's helping. Mitch buys it. He, he. The president's on a rolling chair. <laughs> He's, like, yeah. dodging dodging the, the laser shots, and Mitch takes the last one for him. Uh, he gets vaporized, and then uh, the shooting stops because it's only the president left. Um, and then he goes into his speech, and you hear this inspiring music start to play in the background. And it's basically, you know, just, you know, it's, it, he talks about we can work together. We can do this. We can either build it up or smash it together. And you know, I I love when he talks about you know and you. And he holds his fingers like really tiny fingers. Tiny for, tiny. For Mars. Yeah, Mars. And he starts with us. He goes us, and he's got a fist and you and his tiny yeah. fingers. Um, you know and it ends with you know uh, why can't, can't we all just get along? <laughs> we all just get along. Yeah. Exactly. Which apparently they took that from the Rodney King. Oh uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. But I love how he goes, little people, why can't we all just get along? Um, the, Martian, <laughs> the Martian leader actually wells up a little bit. You see a tear forming in his eyes, but you know it's crocodile tears. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. No. Um, he extends his hand for a handshake, which the Martians don't do, but he does it. And then, of course, you know, President Dale grabs the hand. The hand comes loose. <laughs> it's basically... Climbs all you know, around him, tickling right, him. Right, a mechanical hand. It goes around his body. He was back and it impales him. It <laughs> just goes right through his heart from back to front um he plops down on the floor that that spear or whatever you want to call it sticking straight up and then <laughs> the martian flag unfurls and then we see the symbol that the you know martian's have been doing you know at first it's a point for the eye and then it's a circle and that's the martian yeah. symbol so uh yeah so you know i just noted here. good night sweet prince because uh president's gone um And, you know, we're at the climax now, definitely. Uh, We're back in Kansas. Richie and Grandma are in the truck. They've got a sound system in the truck. They're blaring slim. And heads are popping everywhere. Yes, please. Uh, Heads are popping everywhere. I mean, they're just, you know, they're they're doing their job left and right. Um, We, of course, then jump back to Vegas to see how that group is doing. Uh, They make it to the airfields. And there's no airfield near the boneyard, so it's bullshit, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, they find the plane... Um, so <laughs> wait a minute oh no oh yeah alright so actually that's a quick cut because they're in they're, they're at the airfield they found the plane it's off in the distance in a hangar alright yeah we're, one, we're once again back in Kansas Richie and Graham are now at the radio station 50,000 watts strong and they're broadcasting slim and it's it's obviously covering a wide swath of land across America and they are they are wrecking Martians they're absolutely wrecking them so it's, it's the tide is turning Alright um, We're back in Vegas We're at the airfield uh, So Barbara and Tom Jones Are in the plane They're doing pre-flight And suddenly Tom Jones Might not know how to fly
0: <laughs> Yeah
2: Cause he's like You think he can fly this? He goes yeah I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> And they're flipping levers And shit uh, Byron and Cindy They run over to the hangar doors To open up the doors And that's when they see A full squadron of Martians Right, up, right on, in front of the hangar Out on the tarmac um, it looks like the leader, I think it might be, but he was just in Washington, so it could just whatever. It's just another leader, Martian, and troops. Um, Byron tells Cindy to get in the plane. He's going to distract them so they can take off. Um, so we watch Byron march out, and he pulls off his armor, and he just lets them know who the fuck he is. All right, he's Byron Williams, the heavyweight champ of the world. Um he squares up with the leader, and he knocks the shit out of him. <laughs> it wasn't even a contest. He beats the snot out of the guy, pops the helmet, he's dead. Um, they get the plane going. So they're, 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 they're taxiing out of the hangar. And then they, get, and they take off, and as they're taking off, they look down, and they see all of the Martians jumping on Byron. And he's trying his best, and he's knocking them out. But as they're taking off towards Tahoe, Byron's on the ground. He's unconscious. He's surrounded by Martians. That's the last we're going to see of him, you know. We we think, yep. so he's gone. Uh, we flash back to uh, Byron's kids, and they are they are keeping it up. They are keeping the pressure up. They got some uh, shopping carts with a sound system, and they are uh, popping Martian heads left and right. Slim is playing, and they are cleaning the streets. They're marching right there with the military, and they are just decimating uh, Martians, and it's a great thing. Um, so the saucers are starting to be affected by Slim Whitman, too. They're bouncing around up in the sky. Uh, the one with Kessler and Natalie uh, is having problems. Their heads are rolling around. Natalie's head has now fallen off the dog's body. So it's just heads. Um, they land next to each other and prof- absolutely profess their undying love for each other. They're absolutely in love, and their heads land close enough together where right before the, the, their end, they get to kiss the one time. And then they are definitely uh, gone. Um, We do not see them again. (laughs) And now, finally, we're at the end. The battle is won, all right? Uh, The Martians have been defeated. Uh, (laughs) I love these scenes, too, again, because of TJ. Um, You know, it's just life after. So we watch a squirrel and a bird and a tortoise.
0: yeah and a ferret and deer they're all coming <laughs> out of a hiding ferret out <laughs>
2: exactly they're all coming out of hiding around, in, 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 around the caves in Tahoe yeah uh, you know so uh, you know Barbara, TJ and, uh, and, and Cindy you know, I call him TJ because he said I could I'm just letting you know that <laughs> oh,
0: <okay.
2: laughs> they emerge from the caves and a dove <laughs> a dove of all things lands on Barbara you know yep. Cindy's holding a ferret for whatever fucking reason <laughs> and, T- and Tom Jones pets some deer um, and you referenced this earlier, Joe. You look in Lake Tahoe, and yeah, it was never attacked, but there were like a hundred saucers in Lake yeah, Tahoe. Yeah, like
0: where all <laughs> okay. those come from? Exactly.
2: So they're all down. Um, <laughs> we're back in DC. I'm laughing because I love this scene too. We're back in DC. The Capitol is decimated. They're standing on the steps. And all they could find was a mariachi band to play the Star yeah. Spangled Banner.
0: <laughs> I laughed so hard.
2: And even they're all fucked up. They're bandaged up. They got slings on, but they're playing their hearts out. They're playing the Star Spangled Banner. And of course, you know, Taffy's the only one left, the first daughter. <laughs> nope, the Congress is gone. The president, the fr- everybody's gone. So she's it. Uh, so they're going to rebuild now. So she's uh, she's there to give Grandma and Richie their medal, their uh, congressional medals of honor. Um <laughs> and Grandma and she her last fucking zinger is a great one too. She gets the medal. She's so happy and she looks at Taffy and her response is, "Thank you, honey, but you do, don't you dare let this happen again." <laughs> yeah. And uh, we move on to Richie. He gets his medal and he gives a you know like I have in quotes a speech. <laughs> he talks about the need to rebuild and there's plenty of people braver than him that should be here. I think he's referencing his brother. Um, because he did always love his brother, even if he got shit on for it. So I think he's referencing his brother in that, in a, in a I guess, a touching moment. Again, it might be reading into it. Who the fuck knows? Um, I think it'd be really cool if we all like lived in Teepees TPS instead of houses. I know it's so fucking great. And then for some reason that, you know, that absolutely ignites a little spark of flirt in the first daughter in the angsty teen. Because <laughs> she's like, "Do you have yeah. a boyfriend? <laughs> I mean, do you have a girlfriend?" <laughs> so. You know, he, he might, he might uh, catch some with the first daughter so that's pretty cool um, so then we come to the penultimate scene there's one more after this uh, we're back in DC in the neighborhood uh, Louise is cleaning the apartment and the, b- the boys are pushing a dead alien off the bed um, we pan outside and see that the whole front of the building is gone so yeah. all the apartments are open things are a mess uh, there's a dead alien on the floor and a giant foot just comes down and squishes that brain and the green goo goes everywhere And we pan up to see Byron,
0: because
2: nothing is going to stop that man. He was on a mission to get home, to be with his wife and kids, and he succeeded in that mission. So we see him running into the apartment, and it's a cool moment, because Byron's a cool character, they're all cool, the boys did their job, and now they're going to all be together, so we're happy about that. Um, And then the last scene... Tom Jones in all bum, his glory. Bum, bum,
0: bum. This is the best. He's standing
2: there in the bum, trees. And bum, bum, he puts his bum, arm up and bum, a bum, fucking eagle comes bum. flying down and lands <laughs> on his
0: arm. <laughs> it's so cool. I and like that the fucking roadrunner that's looking both ways. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> the, the animals are dancing and
0: he's bopping that arm and the
2: eagle's just hanging out. And, you know, yes, it, it's not unusual. starts again. And all the animals are dancing. And then... The, the irony roll. Is, is extremely unusual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the credits roll, and we've got ourselves a movie. So... Do we really, though? Do we? Oh,
0: come on now. <laughs> I mean, there's no on. big trouble.
1: That's true. Fails in comparison.
2: That's true. That's true. Uh, so, uh. yeah, so that's it, boys. Um, so we've got some ratings to talk about here.
0: Um <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll go with Joe Joe what do you got here what do you think alright I do enjoy this movie quite a bit and uh, I'm always a fan of of Tim Burton and I actually am one of the few people who wasn't confused when I said Planet of the Apes is a good movie so
2: (laughs) no I'm sorry
0: I actually quite like Planet of the Apes I love those movies I really (laughs) like a lot yeah but you like Big Trouble too (laughs) I do thank you and that was my throwback with a Pat Buchanan I wasn't confused <laughs>
2: exactly oh no I knew that I knew that was your throwback exactly
0: so so w- this movie with its cast with its crazy just random absurdity um, you know it's going to be something I, it's going to be up my alley um, yeah. it doesn't have the rewatchability to me that no. Big Trouble has I, I will rewatch it that. but it's not like every time it's on yep. Um, I'd probably put this at like a three point
2: two. Okay. No, that's respectable. I get it, and I don't disagree with your with your critique on it. It's not um, amazing, but I'll watch yeah. it. It's definitely not a rewatch. It's not and something people, that if it's on, I'm not going to stop. So, and if I'll, you
0: haven't watched it, I would definitely suggest it to watch it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think overall, it's a well it, it's a well put together movie. He he does Burton does what he needs to do. You know, there's enough fresh jokes in it. There's enough yeah. subversive humor in it to keep you entertained throughout. But, you know, yeah, it's not close to the best movie you're going to watch. Definitely. I, I
0: made all my kids watch it yesterday. Cool. They enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. The part they laughed the hardest at was when the music came on, the ooh and the aliens heads yeah. started blowing up.
2: <laughs> That's great. All right. So, Eric, what do you got?
1: This movie is a tapestry of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it no. came out before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> now to be fair, uh, I dig elements of this movie. Like I like the throwback sci-fi 50s homage-ness that it's got going on. Um it's just such a weird movie and not in a Tim Burtony way in a like why does this exist <laughs> kind of yeah.
2: way. Yeah. Yeah, I get it.
1: Um I would give this movie a 3 because there's there's enough redeeming qualities in it. Um, some of it was really funny. I mean, it it it's a genuinely funny flick. Um, yeah, three So it does rank for me better than the last movie, uh, right? Just by hair that we that yep. we got into. Uh, yeah. I don't. I can't see myself watching this thing again uh, unless it's like to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I like the you Iron Man. this one yeah. higher, but they don't even have a line like, you stupid fat asshole. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, and again, I can respect
2: that rating I, and, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I, I, I've already said it, but I mean, I'll say it again. Yeah, it's not a movie I'm going to stop at. Well, put it this way. If I happen to be switching channels and Tom Jones is on, that <laughs> shit's staying. <laughs> From that point forward, I'll watch the movie just for TJ. Okay, um, and that's also going to influence my score a bit, but I completely get it. It's you're right, Eric. It's very un Tim Burton like because Tim Burton always offers that magic. There's no other word for it. You know what I mean? He's got a, he builds magic into his yeah into the worlds that he creates. And this was as crazy as it wasn't. Martians attacking it was much more straightforward. Yeah, um, I totally dug. The Martian sense of humor and the trolling I, I I absolutely love that, and it's something that I didn't remember um, because I haven't watched the movie in a while until you know I prepped for the show, so I completely dug that subversive sense of humor that that dark just black humor <laughs> and the way they the way they messed with us um, that said. If I wasn't a Tom Jones fan, it probably would be a three, but I'm going to bump it up three full decimals to a 3.3. Wow. (laughs) Okay. I
0: wonder if Tom Jones had like a spike in sales that year after this movie came out. No, see,
2: that's where you, you don't understand Tom Jones enough. He doesn't need a spike. He is perpetually spiked.
0: No, no. No, seriously. If if like after the, because like I remember after this movie came out, I went and got some Tom Jones records because like I was like, oh shit, this is fucking nice. I agree.
2: He probably found a younger audience. Uh, he definitely found a younger audience after that. I mean, because, you know, look, I know Tom Jones from when I was a kid because, like, my mom and my aunt would go to Tom Jones concerts and, you know, they'd throw underwear up on the stage.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. so... I don't know how that guy, like, looking at him, got, yeah. it got women so in the mood.
2: No, it was him and... him and My mom was actually an Engelbert Humperdinck fan. They were, like, competing. <laughs> he was, like... H- Engelbert was, like, the... the he was, like... He could never catch up to Tom Jones. He was always a little behind him. But my mom was an Engelbert fan, but she loved Tom Jones too. So, I mean, I grew up hearing that music in my house all the time. And I just dig the dude. I dig his charisma. I just dig his vibe. So, yeah. So, 3.3. That's mine.
1: All right. Quick question. Why are these aliens so horny if they don't have any genitalia?
2: yeah maybe that's why it's a lot of pent-up energy but you're right on the surface that's a valid question because yeah what what the hell's going on you know just
1: food for thought as we yeah. why are
0: they wearing underwear if they have no genitalia true
1: well they Good don't point. have they, they may have uh assholes you cover <laughs> it's true well they are yes. assholes
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: very well said
0: uh, yes they are so so yeah plugs guys anyone want to plug something sure
2: i'll do it again 37 effects uh from you know my pedal the fat guy little coat uh, doing custom colors i got a couple of different pricing tiers for people now um so i've got a less expensive hundred dollar version uh that's a little simpler and i can get to you quicker and then there's the custom color um that's 125 bucks and you can hit me up and we can talk about you know what's possible what's not possible and how you'd like to decorate your pedal um, so 37 effects Instagram the word 30 the number seven FX
1: uh, I would like to plug my ears and eyes after watching these movies <laughs> <laughs> no I'm that's just the winner <laughs> that's a winner uh, art of come check me out for all your custom art needs uh, I have a t-shirt shop too where you can get a master's of the cinematic universe t-shirt. Yes. Um, which I I ordered a sample of it came out pretty cool. That's uh, art of Eric Pabone, P A B O N dot threadless dot com. Yeah, good stuff.
0: Right. And uh, you can catch me on my other podcast as well. Just surprise me. There isn't R in surprise. <laughs> um, I, I, a lot of contrary people are like asking. You would be surprised. You be surprised how many people oh, don't know that. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Um, I'd say there's about 69 million people in the United States who don't know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, they're about to be surprised. <laughs> exactly. And there's 74 Hopefully. million who do know that.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> if you if you want some more complicated pedals that take a lot longer and have a bunch of crazy, fancy stuff on them, yeah, hit me up like my pedals on yes. Facebook. Yes. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, Doug's the master, like he's the 10,000 hour principal, and I'm the jack of all trades master of none principal.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because I don't know shit about pedals, so I got to focus on the
0: one that I make good. <laughs> I, I just like ordered a bunch of shit tonight too, so like I just placed like a $500 parts order.
2: Oh, I didn't go that big, but I, I had a big one come today too. Yeah,
0: I was like running out of potentiometers. I'm like, oh, I need to get some more pots. So I like ordered like 20 of every like size pot.
2: Holy shit. See, I only need one size, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> makes it a little uh,
0: easier right now. I ordered like way too much shit. Like yeah. way way too much <laughs> shit, but uh it's cool. Yeah. Um, so so guys, uh we're going to be doing another movie on the next episode.
2: Yeah, you may have heard about it. We are. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh my god. It's yeah. a little
0: it's a little movie that uh deals with a uh, real touchy subject.
1: Is that uh, mothers wanting to have sex with their sons? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about. I'm glad you like got that because I thought
0: you were gonna say something else, and I'm like, I was gonna be like, no, I'm talking about when the mom wants to bang her, to her son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you like, oh, damn, like, are we that sympathetic already?
1: Yeah, on we're on the same wavelength, my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah,
1: we are gonna get into Back to the Future.
2: Yes. Yep. Can't wait. I cannot wait.
1: So, blast your Huey Lewis in the news, strap on your Nike mags, and get ready to sail your hoverboard down to nostalgia town.
0: Don't be a butthead.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do, don't mention Ray Parker in front
0: of Huey Lewis, okay? Oh! (laughs) Because we got that sound you guys have been looking for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because a white guy invented rock and roll, too. We're yep. in some yeah. troublesome retcons in this one. We'll go over yes. all that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we'll play the Gibson him.
0: that hadn't been made yet.
2: Exactly, it's from the future. Come on, very
0: true. Yeah, so he's back in the future. Yeah. Right, although, ironically, does he ever go to the future? <laughs> Except well, for part, part two. two,
1: part two, yeah,
0: yeah. part two. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Back to the Future all is right. going to be the next movie we uh, will be bringing you guys. So, once again, thank you for putting up with our. Uh, Nonsense and foolishness and uh, hopefully you get a little bit of enjoyment out of this and uh you know, maybe learn something about these movies that you've been watching forever that you just never picked up on before.
1: Yeah. Yep. Oh join the Facebook join group. Join the Facebook
2: group. I was oh, just yeah, gonna say right. oh, we want to hear nice from stuff. you. We wanna know what we're doing right, what we might not be doing to your taste, and uh you know, we'll probably tell you to go fuck off. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, and
0: if you we'll thought listen that to was the Will advice Forte, anyway. If you thought yeah. that was Will Forte in that movie also <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah. if you thought that was Will Forte and Fran Drescher. That's who I was thinking of.
2: Oh, yeah, but no.
0: <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> okay. Nope.
2: Uh. All right, boys
0: and girls. Bye-bye. By Have the go.
1: power of Grayskull. Oh, yeah, Kevin, we need a catchphrase. We need
0: a Masters of the Cinematic Universe, like outro thing. Yeah. All right, Doug Get says lights.
1: Trip. Joe says camera. And I say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Camera. Fuck off. It's not unusual to be loved.